Happy Halloween, listeners, and welcome to a special franchise retrospective on one of the most beloved and inspirational horror films of all time. Beginning in Haddonfield and turning up in Santa Maria, California, the Halloween franchise has continued to terrorize audiences for the last 45 years. My name is Ed, host of the Film Effect Podcast, and I'm joined today by Kevin from his show, The Podcast That Wouldn't Die. Hey! As well as Stu from his show, Stu World Order. How's it going? And Pete from Middle Class Film Class. What's up, Internet? (laughs) And Carlo from his show, The Movie Loot, will be sharing his overall thoughts a little later. But gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, Yeah, I have all these Halloween ideas bottled up in my head that I've been sitting on for quite some time. And they're they're, uh, eagerly waiting to get spilled all over the Internet. (laughs) All right, well... (laughs) Let's waste no time and start with the one that started them all, 1978's Halloween. The The one, one, the the only, the the classic classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town, 15 years ago. Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. (laughs) I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. sure. Mm-hmm. The only reason she babysits is to have one. Halloween. Thank you. 
night he came home. Released October 25th, 1978, it grossed $70 million against a budget of just over $300,000. So, money aside, I mean, this is Halloween. It's, it's just, you don't get much more inspirational than this. It's, it's a classic. You know, you turn your classic tale of the babysitter murders and you turn it into just this phenomenon with the shape and... I don't know. I can go on and on about this movie, but um, I'll let I'll let you guys, you know, whoever wants to go on, start. This is the movie I've seen more than any other movie in the world. I've yeah. wow. I don't know how many times I've seen this or how many times I've seen any other movie, but I've seen Halloween like every Halloween season for the last several years of my life, and it's it's a movie that doesn't get old and. For at least the first, like, dozen times that you're watching it, you're noticing different things every time you see it, and you notice all the background details, and the, oh, you can see him driving by right there, or, oh, you can kind of see him in the background there, and you realize just how atmospheric this movie is, and how much of a master John Carpenter really is whenever he's just putting these elements in, and it's, I think it's, for me, arguably the greatest horror movie ever made. I agree with that. For That's so many bold. reasons. <laughs> bold, bold, bold. I, it's, I haven't seen it more than any other movie <laughs> in creation. Uh, arguably, I've seen it more than any of the other Halloween movies. Well, there so you go. That's, a, that's something. That says something. <laughs> it is iconic. No question. John Carpenter at, at the peak of his powers, the auteur. I mean, he directed it, he wrote mm-hmm. it, he did the, the, the uh, music for it, the score. Um, introduced the world to Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, literally, this was the seed upon which, like, all the 80s slasher movies grew from, you know, to various <laughs> degrees of success. Uh, but yeah, Halloween, it, it's it's one of the best, no question. I uh, I have an interesting, uh, I can I guess, relationship with the Halloween franchise itself is because I, I've only seen the original three years ago, almost to the month, uh, actually to the month, October 20th, 2020, we recorded our, our episode on Halloween. It was, uh, my co-host Tyler's pick and it's one of his favorite movies, much like you guys. And he's got mm-hmm. Michael Myers tattooed on his arm. And, um, I, I did not fall in love with it. I, I think it was, Ooh. I understand like the reverence for it and how it built what's come before mm-hmm. it or after it, I should say. But, in in when with my only basis of comparison are modern slashers and modern horror movies, which I do love. I go back and revisit some of the originals, and I'm just very much like, okay, that was fine. And Michael Myers driving a car makes me laugh every time. Yeah, <laughs> he stops and looks both ways, and then, yep. and then turns down the street, and I'm like, this guy's just running around in in the daylight, and he's more like a peeping tom than he is a murderer for the first you know two thirds of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do appreciate it. I like this movie. I don't want to bag on it, but I, I, I went back and re-listened to our old episode just to think, refresh myself what my first thoughts were back then. And I vowed that at that time I would probably never watch it again. So I watched through the entire series, all thirteen movies minus this one, and then I rewatched the original at the end. And it it does hold up. It is a good movie. <clears throat> all that being said. I probably won't watch it again. 
uh, yeah, it's and I hate to you know kill the sacred cow or whatever the phrase yeah. is, but uh, it's uh, I feel like the cheesiness and like the goofiness of it. Now looking back at it in retrospect, um, you know the acting's not great, and uh, you know when she looks see her, <laughs> it shows the dead friend and she's cross-eyed <laughs> and with her tongue sticking out. We're like, all right, <laughs> that's, that's fun. Yeah. It's not good, but it's fun. <laughs> so I had, I had a you fun know, time watching it. I'll say that. I think I think something that Stu said. This movie is very atmospheric. It, yes. it is kind of a, a slow burn for the first however many. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it really there isn't like what they find a body in the bushes by the side of the road. Doctor Loomis just stumbles upon it. That was that was convenient. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there is there isn't a lot of murder or mayhem until later in the evening. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of appreciate that, especially compared to a lot of the slashers that came after it, where it's just a bloodbath from the opening credits. That's one of the things I love so much about the original is the the slow burn, the process. You know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just about him stalking or being a peeping tom, but it, it it does build gradually throughout the movie and and little things hold, um just just contribute to it and to respond to you Pete uh, if anything you, you've made this whole episode all more interesting you, you're not <laughs> you're not a Debbie Downer you're not bringing anything oh, down this uh, is yeah. great just I, wait honest, till later no no believe me. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's going to be a problem with the rest of us. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think what it is is it's just simply you waited too long. How old are you? Thirty-seven. Okay, so you're about my age. So yeah, I think I just think you waited too long. I think that's what it was. And, when, yeah, and, and right. I'm the same way with movies. I didn't see the Godfather films until the pandemic three, four years mm. ago. Mm, interesting. And I thought they were classics. And in Chinatown, another film that's beloved by most uh, um, cinephiles. And mm. I, I and I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with those films as you are of Halloween. You know they're great. Um, it's just I I think what it is it's just we we waited too long to watch our appropriate movies, and um, I can appreciate I can appreciate, I can appreciate going, that because you know I watched it coming from a personal sense. I watched it for the first time when I was like five or six years old. So it's a movie that's grown with me you know yeah. it's it's a film i've always appreciated and i've watched so many times since that first initial viewing that you know there's the the subtlest things about that movie i love i love loomis's smile after he chases ronnie <laughs> off the, the, the front of the house he's that so proud of himself gives. yeah he that smile that he gives is like this is why i love this movie so much <laughs> and even That's just funny. recently i watched it with my daughter a couple years ago um around this time and she pointed something out that I had never noticed before. And it's a scene with Annie in the in the garage. And you see Michael in the background behind the curtain from like a distance. And I mm-hmm. never picked up on that before. And it freaked me out. Nice. So, you know, things like that. That's that's why I love horror. But but yeah, I I forgot what I was even saying. Um, <laughs> Halloween, great film. So you know, I'll you know throw what I, out. I'll, I want to throw out real fast. I'll completely confess to this. I had the same experience with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where okay. classic horror movie. I didn't watch it for the first time until like within the last twelve to fifteen months, and I didn't think it was that good. I yeah, I, I came out that. of the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre just thinking like this is really poorly acted and loud. And that's all I thought about that movie coming out of it. So it's not a movie I had an affinity for. Like yeah. I personally watch Halloween and think like to me subjectively 
excellently well-made movie. But I also admit, like, just like you, Ed, I was watching these movies when I was single digits years right, old, right. and I have the lifelong affinity for them. So am I biased? Probably. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, and you also have to appreciate that the things that became tropes started here. Yes. You know absolutely. what I mean? So it, it, it's almost like you can look at it as a film, but you also have to kind of look at it as kind of a, a, a trendsetter, if you will. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So in my mind, that kind of adds a little bit to it. So. No, I, I have 100% reverence for it, and I will I'll go to bat and say it's a good movie, uh, but it's a three-star movie. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> out of four or five? Out of five. This is a okay. letterbox, letterbox rating. I'm, oh, I'm, shit. I'm well, using at least he didn't letter... say out of ten. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. There's a couple on here that are that, though. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, and I don't want you to break your vow. You know what I mean? No more vow breaking. You're never going to watch it again, right? You know what? <laughs> I, I don't. Here's the thing. I don't plan on it, but it, it may happen. And last year we did um, a very similar mega podcast for the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm-hmm. And th- I think I'd seen... Two out of twelve of that franchise, and I watched them all through. And this one, I'd so seen many movies. Geez. Yeah, I've seen. F- I saw five out of thirteen for this one uh, before I started this watch through. Oh, wow. So okay. next, maybe I know Hellraiser binge movies is, movies is doing a Hellraiser thing right now. So I'll binge all those, and then oh, shit. Child's Play maybe, and then what's the next one? Oh, uh, n- uh, yeah, Elm Street, N- Nightmare on Elm Street. Leprechaun. I've only seen one Nightmare on El- out oh, two Nightmare on Elm Streets if you count Freddy vs Jason. So it's safe to say you're not much of a horror fan in general. I'm not a slasher fan. Okay. A, I think that's the that's distinction. Fair. I love I love horror, but I'm I, I like the very deeply disturbing stuff mm-hmm. uh, that kind of you know, fucks you up for a couple for a couple days, and you're like, oh, I f- maybe I shouldn't have watched that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. A lot of these movies really are kind of light, you know. Oh, even yeah, though it's a bunch right. of <laughs> teenagers being stabbed to death, it's it's not Saw. Yeah, you I think know? I think no. the buildup probably, to be honest, the buildup was more than, you know, the actual payoff. And I, I recently right. did watch the, the all the Godfathers, and they they were fantastic. I wouldn't consider them anywhere near my top movies of all time, but they're right. impeccably done movies. And I was I think I was expecting modern horror when watching this 1970s horror, and you're just not going to get someone head decapitated right. by a, a you know telephone pole and then a no, slow no, zoom in here. on it, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Oh God. Thank God for that. Yeah, thank you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> well, then uh, let's move on to some of these movies, shall we? Beginning with Halloween 2 from 1981, more of the night he came home. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. This is some kind of a joke. I've been triggered, treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead.
से क्या है Two was released October 30th, 1981, grossing $25.5 million against a $2.5 million budget. So no wonder they kept on churning these out. They were still making money. That's um, true. Absolutely. So Halloween 2 is a, con- a, con- yeah, a continuation to the first one. Literally picks up where the last one ended. And um, where I'm at on this movie personally, I- I've always been a fan of it. I've always thought... It's it's good, but nothing groundbreaking. Um, I, I I the one thing that bothers me to this day about this film is Jamie Lee's wig. But outside of that, I mean, I think this is. Um, a, I love Dick Warlock. Everyone praises Nick Castle as yeah. like the ultimate shape, and it, you know he is to an extent. But this is my favorite Michael Myers portrayal. Dick Warlock here. I love his slow walk. The way he stands straight up like a like a fucking needle, and the way he holds the scalpel, I I to me, Myers in part two is like, that's how I look at like My- Michael Myers. Is the first thought that comes to my mind is this version. So, but um, I, I found him too short. Anybody else? He's kind of short. Yeah, he's kind of short. But like five, I, seven? I think this that aside. <laughs> no offense, I mean. I love his portrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a five seven dude, but when he's the uh, murderous stalking ghoul that's after you, you're like, I could probably right. drop kick this guy in the chest. <laughs> right. So Pete, right. where are you out on the sequel here? Um, so if I give Halloween the original three stars, this is two and a half stars. Okay. I th- I think that the the hilarity of Loomis at the beginning, <clears throat> he comes out guns blazing. And he's like, there's a murderer. We need to kill someone. Oh, there's that <laughs> child over there. <laughs> and he, he has to be physically restrained from another, uh, by another police officer to pull yes. his gun away before he murders this 17-year-old he's drunk like, kid. I've been trick-or-treated to death. You don't yeah. know what death is. <laughs> and then to no avail, it doesn't matter because another p- p- panicked policeman in a police cruiser pins the child to a van in a fiery blaze, which was fantastic. Ben Tramer. But for no reason. For no reason. For no, it's like, bro, bro that, come on. That pranks. guy probably didn't even know what Michael Myers looked like in the car. Right. He just shows up out of nowhere going about 80 down a residential and yeah. then <laughs> pins him to a van, fiery explosion. And for the rest of the movie, I'm like, that kid had a family. And they kind of come ben back. Tramer. Yeah, they kind of come back to it yeah, and like ben pay Tramer, it off. Exactly. I really appreciated the payoff of that, but... um I think this this is the when you if if you flashing forward to the David Gordon Green tr- trilogy, this town is full of absolute dopes in the second. <laughs> and in the I never second thought about that, that before, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, in the second of that trilogy, everyone's an idiot in that movie, and right, they have yeah. they kill people erroneously in that one too. So uh, yeah, it's it still was a fun one, but it's a, a pretty typical '80s slasher, you know, is the way I look at it. Which is to say, it's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Nothing, nothing too offensive, although I found it hilarious when the EMT slips in blood and knocks himself unconscious for no reason. <laughs> Great. And that's like it. his last scene, Jimmy. Poor, poor Lance Guest, the last Starfighter. Yeah, lost off, so, lost off, yeah. And, and you had... You had the unmotivated playmate in the therapy tub scene. Oh, yeah. No, I hope they clean that out if this is what they're doing in there every night. <laughs> People need that for therapy. Damn it. Oh, he was getting th- she was, they were getting therapy. <laughs> they were getting therapy. And this is also the movie where they introduce the fact that Jamie Lee is brother and sister with Michael. And it's like, we don't know what happened to their parents. You know what I mean? They're in one scene and they never come back. Mm-hmm. And you never see Jamie Lee's adoptive parents ever again. Everyone just bounces up for yeah. Jamie Lee. So Ed, you seem like you don't like the sibling angle. I don't. I've never been a fan of it. Really? I, I, I just okay. think it was just tacked on. Um, even Carpenter admits, you know, yeah, he was pretty much forced to write this movie against his will. Right. And he did a lot of drinking while he was penning this script. And I just uh, think that this was his kind of like... F you or something. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what it, what it was exactly. Well, I don't know what was going through his mind when he wrote that, but I just scotch. I just I'm not a fan <laughs> of it, and I and that's one of the things I like about the uh, the new trilogy, which we'll get to inevitably. Um, yeah, that's that's just my take. I don't, I don't I don't like the sibling thing. Interesting. I think that's a big dividing point among Halloween fans because to me, despite what David Gordon Green did, it will never not be canon that they're siblings. I think like, Mm. I think that makes it more interesting to me for some reason. And you're right. Like it's stupid and it's tacked on and it's clearly not intended to be that way in the first movie. And it takes from the first movie too. in in, in my opinion, it makes it, I don't know. You look back at it. It's just, because Michael's just evil. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's no motivation. No, exactly. In the original is the motive. There's the motivation for him going after Jamie Lee or Laurie, I should say, uh, is just that she was the one that was there that day. Yeah, yeah he yeah. just saw her. He and saw her so walking that was it. school. Was, it, was the house that she was in, was that his original house or something like that? No, because no. that was down no, the street. That's when, his house yeah. in the first that's when that like eight-year-old child gives the exposition dump. That's a, there's right. a yeah. ghost that lives in there, mister. You, you don't want to go in there. Tommy Doyle. <laughs> I always appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I also read somewhere that the, the television edit of the original movie Yes. They inserted scenes where it's like Michael in his cell writing the word sister on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Trying to talk to species. I don't know what he was George doing. Lucas had something to do with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to try to tie it into, yeah, it's nonsense. Anywho. I'm pretty Here's sure the... they, they shot those TV scenes for the first movie while they were filming part two. Yeah. I think you're right. Oh, okay. Because they even the... used the original Elm Street house for one of the interiors. Here's the problem with Halloween 2 is, and it's it's something we're going to see for the next 11 movies that we do in this franchise, is the first Halloween, as we talked about, was a trendsetter. It came out, it created right. a vibe, and it changed the way slashers and horrors were for the next 20 years or so. But every single Halloween that comes after it is a trend follower. It's just doing what other movies have done. And you get Halloween too, which instead of saying, Hey, what did Halloween do? Great. We should do that. It just said like, Hey, we're Friday the 13th. Also look at what we can do and be bloody right. and gory. Interesting. Cause it was 81, 81. There was like a new slasher film, like every week, I think like 38 yes. slashers came out total in 1981. Wow. And this was another right. one. This was just a needle in the haystack, you know, well, and, and all holiday themed, you know, mm-hmm. April, Fool's April Fool's day, day. And graduation <laughs> day and New Year's evil and all sorts of shit. <laughs> hey, I love New Year's evil. 
<laughs> Bye, That's bloody a fun movie. Right. So good times. Um, setting it in the hospital too. We should we should talk about that. Um, just like Halloween different. kills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, I that. think there's so, I think there's a parallel a parallel there. I think you're right. <laughs> no, um, it's it's just. <laughs> No, he had no idea what he's doing. <laughs> One more. You know, by the time that trilogy's over, I thoroughly believe that. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one more uh, note about the whole the family aspect. When I think about Michael stalking or killing his family members and all, you're you're talking about Thorn now and all that bullshit that we'll oh, get into. Jesus. And it's like it's a headache, you know. <laughs> Stop it! Stop giving him a fucking motivation. He does not need a motivation. I, I'm I'm with that. I actually think that less motivation is the scarier aspect because the, fir- the the original one, it's just it's a it's a, a, a literal psychopath child. You know, he's a child who had no motivation to kill his sister. He just did it to see what it felt like. He comes back later. Now he's a beefcake adult, and he's uh, has a driver's license somehow, and he's he's out yeah. for blood. And good luck. He's just a creep, and you're like, call the cops. What are you gonna tell him? There's a guy standing by a bush. Can you can you stop him, please? No, I can't. Sorry, figure it out. <laughs> but, figure it but out. he's wearing a mask, and it's yeah. on Halloween. That's unusual, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I like how they at least try to give that an answer, like how he learned to drive and all that shit. And like, I think it's Curse of Michael Myers, um, Doctor uh. Wynn, who has like a throwaway scene in the first film. So we'll get to that though. We'll get there. But um, anything else you guys want to? Are we, are, are we going to rank these? Are we giving like our, our position rankings? I, have I think we should do order. a top five at the end of this for sure. Top okay. five? Okay. Uh, anybody the else only, want to talk about part two? The only move? other thought I have about part two is to this day, anytime I get on an elevator, mm-hmm. I just watch the doors close slowly and I'm like, are these doors closing slowly enough that Michael couldn't get me? Anytime I get on an elevator, I think of Halloween too. So that is the, <laughs> the lasting impact this movie has had on me. Yeah, Fair. those doors definitely should have opened back up when he had that scalp one. <laughs> what kind of elevator doors yeah. they got at Memorial? 80s uh, hospital elevator doors. Memorial. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, screw right. you, we got um, places to go. I will say, though, I, uh, the the chase scene, it's, it's really well done. It's always stuck with me, um, with him and chasing Lloyd into the basement and all that. That entire sequence has always been a good one, well shot. Um, and also... Going back to the hot tub death, I don't know. Call me whatever, but that that's always stuck in my head too. Him dunking yeah, that woman's head, and it, it's just that's pretty brutal. When you're a kid, you know. Anyway, do we, do we know why Jamie can sometimes walk and speak and sometimes can't? What the issue is? Why she's like crawling on the floor? You just got a sedative, hon. I don't know what the issue is. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not sure why she can't speak. I don't. It's like I guess it's from trauma. Trauma. Thank you. That's what I was like. Yeah, that, that must be. Well, it. the first, the first two, she, she's a, a, it's canon that she's a non-actor, uh, like she's a non-decider because she has two, not one but two, opportunities to kill the person that she's trying to kill her, and she could stab him in the living room or she could have, uh, I think, killed him or done something with him. Like I think right around in the, in the bedroom, um. And she decides not to. Granted, she's a 17 or 18 year old, you know, young girl. But um, you know, fight or flight. This person's trying to kill you, and you you stab him in the shoulder, and then say, "It's okay. It's over. He's dead now." Like, well, the, she what, got what him kind in of the neck with a needle knit. 
Oh, that's yeah. it. Was it the neck? I could have sworn it was it's the shoulder. Neck. It's oh, the okay. Neck. <clears throat> I was like, what kind of biology of the teaching it had in Field High? Mm. He's, he's dead. Like, <laughs> I put him in the shoulder. She gets him with the wire hanger, like Mommy Dearest. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> she really thought the Vulcan neck pinch was real. She's like, no, nah, I got him in that nerve cluster. He's done now. <laughs> We're yeah, good. Right to the We're neck. Now, in her defense, she does shoot him in both eyes and then blow him up at the end of this movie. So, yeah. and that's exactly how it ends. Part. It ends with Loomis and Michael dying a fiery blaze in death together. Yep. For now. For now. But until then, we are leaving Haddonfield and going to Santa Maria, California for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochrane? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochrane, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Ow! Love it. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, was released October 22nd, 1982, just one year later, grossing $14.4 million against a $4.6 million budget. So the, the budget doubled, essentially. It went from 2.5 to 4.6, whereas it made $10 million less. I mean, it still made money. I mean, $14 million against four is a you know, in in eighty two, that's you know, that's a hit in my eyes. But hey, this they they did what Carpenter sought out to do originally, finally, and they closed the they 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 closed the book on Michael Myers and that saga and opened up a new one with this uh, whole town conspiracy with these masks and this um, and Dan O'Heary. From RoboCop, RoboCop to yeah. the old man, uh, involves a plot with him and Stonehenge, and this movie is so fucking out there. And I will admit, <laughs> yeah, I did not come around on this movie until like the last five or six years. I was totally against this movie. Fuck part three. Fuck all that. Right. You know that was me for the longest time. But around 
like I said, it had to have been like five or six years ago. I came around to it and was like, this movie's fucking awesome. Was that the <laughs> consensus kind of when it came out that it was not nearly as good as the originals? I think that they basically were bummed there wasn't Michael Myers. Right. They were expecting that's a third was, Michael Myers film, and they got any, right. anything this. past that didn't matter because Michael Myers had nothing to do with it, sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It was DOA because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> but we did get Tom Atkins. Yes. We did. Tom yes. Atkins. And his oh, ass. <laughs> One of the oh, worst man. protagonists of any movie ever. Dr. Oh. Chalice. <laughs> this guy, a serial uh. adulterer, and you're like, he's our <laughs> hero. He's Let's great. follow him. <laughs> he's like, Dr. Dan Chalice. He's Two things he hates doing practicing medicine, spending time with his family. Family time. <laughs> he hates he that. <laughs> things he loves doing getting hammered and hooking up with strange chicks on the road. That's right. That's what he's here Literally for. Literally half his age. <laughs> Le- yeah. At least, yeah, at right. least. and they got to be he's in a doctor. Too. He's a doctor who's going to go solve a mystery. That's yeah. right. We're not calling the cops. No, I'm going to handle Atkins. this myself. We're going to send our lead surgeon out to figure this out. He probably saves lives not by going to work. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> literally, his ex-wife is like uh, drinking before work. That's great. Yeah, he was the inspiration yeah. for Denzel in Flight. You know, get, have a few and get on the job. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This movie is bonkers. It's yeah. like just just the script, the the story, the plot. Like you said, it's against the Irish because they're they're importing Stonehenge, Stonehenge in here yeah. and having robots uh, attack people. And what what is happening? They were it's plotting like... to kill all the kids at nine p.m. on Halloween night. Nine p.m. The... Pacific time. Pacific time, yeah. exactly. Right. Wear that mask. Make sure you're, you know, you have your silver shamrock mask, and you're watching That's the right. commercial. And uh, just ask Buddy what happens. Buddy Kupfer, absolutely. No I question. feel like they wrote this movie, and they had they had a good movie. They were like, we have Stonehenge and magic Stonehenge rocks, and we're going to turn children's heads into snakes and spiders and shit. <laughs> it's going to be great. And then somebody came along at the end and was like, yeah, but. What if there are robots too? <laughs> and just nobody talked to that guy down. Oh, yeah. And somehow that guy was the loudest voice in the room. And they were like, all right, Tom, we'll put robots in the movie. And, and one of they the robots is played sense. by Dick Warlock. Yes. Yep, he's back. I think he was the nephew of like the studio head or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we'll green light this, but you got to keep the robots in from old Billy. He just kept but. sending his resume in and they didn't get past the name. They were like, yes, we're casting Dick Warlock. Are you kidding me? That's great. <laughs> but, I mean, John did return in a sense. He did the music. Yeah. Him and How- Alan Howarth. He did. He produced it with his partner, Deborah Hill. Yeah. He did not write it, though. This one was all Tommy Lee Wallace, his protege, who worked on the first film. He's been on both. He worked on both. No, he didn't work on part two because he was pissed that the second one happened. But Tommy Lee Wallace was um, pretty much the, 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 the stunt makeup effects guy on set. He, he, he did a lot of things on the original film. And he played Michael in the scene where he busts his arm through the, um, the, the closet door. And he gets the hanger in the eye. That's Tommy Lee Wallace, not Nick Castle playing the shape. Oh, shit. Hmm. So he's back in a, in a writer, in a director sense. And, you know, pulling the stick out of my ass and watching it today... This is a fun movie. I think it's well made. Of course, it's got Dean Cundey returning, the DP. So it's shot by the same guy, the first three films. That's why they all look, look alike, because same cinematographer. And I, if anything, I have such an appreciation for trying to you know, go outside the box. You know, they, they at least made an attempt. 
to go outside of the Michael Myers lore. And they pretty much just um, negated him to a television uh, commercial cameo, Michael Myers, because at the bar, <laughs> Chalice is watching TV, and there's a commercial for Halloween to come on that night, which means Halloween... That's, that the, it's, the can, canon. it's canon oh within this universe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, I love that they, they put in there, uh, I think the commercial says something like, um, the undisputed legend, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. They're right. patting themselves on the There's back. fire Absolutely. coming off the pen when they wrote that one. <laughs> I'm actually wearing my Silver Shamrock t-shirt. Nice. Can That's awesome. Absolutely. Can you start singing us how many days there are until Halloween? Six more days uh, till uh, Halloween. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh my God, what is it? Today's got, 20, 22 time. days. Oh my 22 God. days till 23 days 23 till days. Halloween. <laughs> I, I have a question about this. So, Yo, please. Uh, so far, each rating of the series has gone down. This is a two star movie, in my opinion. This is, feels okay. like Blasphemy. a. Blasphemy. If, if, yeah, I know. Carlo is spinning in his grave right now. He's, uh, <laughs> Carlo's dead? <laughs> He's dead to Pete, me. Pete yeah. killed Carlo. <laughs> I know Carlo really loves this one, and uh, he he's any anytime I bring it up, he's like, "Don't just keep your mouth shut, Pete." I swear to God, uh, <laughs> it just I I really like the boldness of the story. Like like Stu said, it's like there's a great story there. There's some interesting stuff and like this uh, corporate horror sort of thing. I dig that, and I like that they strayed away from the Michael Myers thing because it's just it just takes a lot of balls to do that. I just think there's so, there's so many like keystone elements to the movie that don't make don't make sense or don't like add up to me. Um, <clears throat> right. Number one is that they put a microchip in the masks, like mm -hmm. a, or yes. a macrochip because it's huge by our standards now. And it's a button. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a switch. So is it magic or is it technology? Is it a magic? Uh, you know. Um, uh, Stonehenge rock that they put a little sprinkled dust on it, or you know, do a line yep. of do a line of moon dust before they, you know, imbue the powers on these masks. You're answering or is your own a question. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Answer to all those questions is yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the time zone thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, Not these kids all. kids putting it on at six p.m. No. and it's like, you know, uh, there's a a lot of it that just is like you were on the edge of greatness. And they, and they fumbled the bag in in a sense. I think the hard th part for me is that I'm all I'm all for uh, watching a movie that has uh, told from the perspective of a villain, but mm -hmm. don't tell me the villain's the protagonist. Tom Adkins as, <laughs> as, as this hero, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. There's so much of it. Looking at it through like 2023 20, eyes, I'm like, this dude's a friggin' douche. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> something He's else. Um, and the song, uh, people are like, oh, the song is so catchy. It's so catchy. It's London Bridges falling down. Yeah. Is what it is. Yes, and it was it, free. Yeah, so it's it's. I know public I won't domain, bemoan anybody, baby. huh? I said public domain, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I won't bemoan anybody for enjoying this movie. Like I, I have all the love in the world for people who love this movie. I like the I, the idea of the silver shamrock. I like the whole world that they've built. It just just never got past the finish line for me. Look, Which is funny to me because yeah. they, they they replace <laughs> slasher with witchcraft. You're not a slasher fan, admittedly. I just figured, mm -hmm. yeah, this would have I been... I mean, I guess witchcraft. I mean, is he is would the you dude call Kyle Cocker and the question. witch? What is it? What am okay, I science witch? fiction. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is. is it? <laughs> it's got a great ending, though, the regardless you know, the of better. anything else. Yeah, the, the um, ending's really but, great. 
It's, it's I always one appreciate of those... Tom Atkins calling who? His friends at the FCC? <laughs> I don't know what the... Stop it! <laughs> we forgot to throw in the scene. part where his, yeah, he's best friends with the CEO of NBC. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put, put me through! Put me through, strange, crazy screaming man. Yeah. Take it off! Okay, whatever you say, pal. There is a part in this movie I always have to bring up, no matter how many times I talk about it. Um, oh, by the way, not, not to plug myself, but every single Halloween film we have covered on our podcast in its entirety. So Beautiful. check it oh, out. Nice. Stay, stay, and I, I talk about this in the episode too, but still, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up here. Stacey Nelkin, who plays Ellie. Yeah. There's a scene that always makes my head hurt. She gets out of the shower and she goes, instead of the towel, she beelines for the comforter instead and it's like why are you doing this why why just gross first of all yes huh? yeah just gross first of all yeah get a black light in there well it, it stays with the hollywood or the halloween tradition in the first one her friend who's uh killed i think first she's one of the first ones to die she's like "Ooh, i spilled water on my shirt better wash my clothes <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> water is the enemy but we had halloween. to get her in that back house somehow right yeah, well, and then she gets stepbrothered through the window. She's like, oops, I'm stuck out the window. I hope no one comes and finds me. <laughs> we have to we have to go back to Stacey Nelkin because she was famously Woody Allen's underage girlfriend in the Whoa, 70s. Oh, really? Yep. Yes, and to go from that to this, where he literally, after sex, of course, says, how old are you again? Yeah, like, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough, yeah. Yeah. Wink. <laughs> Yeah, I'm older than I'd have to be. Well, you'd have to be. That's a <laughs> or I'm weird, older than a, I look. You'd have to be. That's a very uh, weird typecast. It's creepy. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. it's, that's the so creepiest creepy. part of yeah. it. Weird is not the word. Creepy is the word. You're right. <laughs> All right, we moving on. I just have to say, it is it is a cozy, fun film. It's utter nonsense, totally but it's agree. fun for the whole family. <laughs> and I want credit. I'm the one who told Carla to watch this movie. Boom. Oh, great. awesome. You heard it first. All right, well, it would be a little while before we got our next film, but six years later, they did it. They brought him back. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. 16 people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way. Oh, God. Who's going to be next? Ah! Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop him. 
So Halloween 4 came out October 21st, 1988, grossing $17.8 million against a $5 million budget. He's back, baby. Look, I, I will admit, for for sequel talk, this is up there on my list. I, I adore this movie. Um, it's nothing special. I know that. Um, I realize that everyone's just, what do, you, what, do you, what do I see in it that no one else apparently sees? I, I don't know. I love the way uh, director Dwight H. Little starts the film. The Instead of getting your traditional jack-o'-lantern uh, opening credits montage in this movie, you just get fall. You, you Of course, it's obviously Salt Lake City where they shot this movie. And clearly, it wasn't the Midwest and, and uh, Illinois where it's supposed to be. But still, I love the scenery throughout the entire opening credits of this movie. This is the first movie that introduces... Jamie Lloyd to the franchise, so this is the first of our Jamie Lloyd trilogy, um, as most fans call it. But there's a lot on this movie I, I just like. Um, Michael himself, I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, I know they had two actors play the uh, the shape in this one. Um, George um, Wilbur. George Wilbur played him in most of the shots, but um, Tom... So... Tom Sizemore. Tom Morga. Morga. Yeah, Sizemore. Um, Tom Morga <laughs> played right. him. Uh, primarily the scenes where he's bandaged up. Like the scene in the edge uh, and the, the mm-hmm. to, whatever, that restaurant place where the cars are, the mechanic shop. That's played by Tom Morga. But the reason I'm bringing this up is uh, whenever you can tell when um, it's George playing the shape because he's got these fucking like football shoulder pads on <laughs> and he looks ridiculous it's just weird i don't know the mask i've i've grown to just be, get used to the mask after i was gonna ask you Andrew, if this is a, a big high up on your sequels list how do you it, like about the mask because it's yeah pretty, the mask oof. i you know i turn a blind eye to the mask okay. but I, i've just i've <laughs> accepted it all these years later <laughs> it's whatever um so yeah that's all i had that's that's pretty much you know and then it's, it's got some good kills um I love how Alan Howarth <clears throat> is taking over now, as far as uh, music goes. But uh, he incorporates I think this a is lot of the second worst John's. mask in the franchise behind um, Part Five. Please say Part Five. I was uh, going to say the next one. Is, yeah. the, is yeah. that Curse of Michael Myers? Oh, oh, that's no. Part Six. Part Six. Uh, that one's not that bad. Maybe depending I, on I, which I, one it is. There's H two O. Part the one Six w- and H two O use numerous masks. Okay, there's there's We're there's, just there's, good one, for continuity. there's one I mean, in number six. H2O it's... has a fucking CGI mask in one shot. We'll yeah. get to it. Wow. I missed that. <laughs> How you did you, miss you know that? what? I always missed it too until somebody pointed it out to me. And as soon as you see it, you're like, How did I not notice that? It's right. god awful. I, I remember watching that opening weekend and being like, What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. No, I yeah, think was... I, I like I said, I adore part four, Return of Michael Myers. Um I, I just kind of have a soft spot in my heart for, for the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. Maybe it's the Jamie Lloyd character because I, I, I can't defend the next film at all. We'll get to it. But that's pretty much I'm... what I had to say. Um, real quick, guys, I'm going to step away for about three minutes to okay. pop, pop smoke break, but I'll be right back, okay? Yep. You guys okay. talk about part four. All right. <laughs> you want us to go without you? Okay. Uh, you I, know what? I, I agree with Ed. I really like this one. I, I'm a big fan of this one. I like Jamie Lloyd as a character. I think Danielle Harris is just a, a, a great child actor in these next two movies. I think yeah, she I really presents just genuine fear and terror. And 
I like that there are aspects where you can't tell what she's seeing, whether it's real or whether she's hallucinating it. Like, especially yeah. in the hardware store where Michael gets his mask back. Like, he's there, he puts the mask on, and then everyone comes running into the room and he's not there. And it's genuinely like, well, did she hallucinate that? Was he there right. and he just kind of stepped out to the bathroom for a second before he killed anyone? So... I like the rooftop scene in this one oh, where they're like running the around the scene, rooftop yeah. for some reason. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's really tense and scary. I think you get to all the different final girls in this franchise. I think Rachel is up there as one of the best ever. So I'm a big fan of her. I think what they do to her in part five is criminal, but she didn't Ridiculous. really want to. Yeah, she didn't really want to come back and do the whole movie. So it's they were kind of uh, pinned in. They didn't have a uh, choice. They had to get rid of her. But I don't know. I really like this one, too. I, I, I also have a soft spot for this Jamie Lloyd trilogy. I think this movie is is one of the better examples in this movie. But I, I do think it is very much like kind of your typical 80s slasher. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about. Yeah. Um, I love how Dr. First of all, Michael Dr. Loomis, fine from being incinerated in the uh, hospital. He has, a, <laughs> My, he has a little burn mark on his face. <laughs> Little burn mark. Michael's eyes grew back from getting two shots of 38 <laughs> to the forehead. Uh, but there's the whole opening where, where Loomis is chasing Michael at the gas station. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Although I always find it interesting that uh, Michael has no interest in killing Dr. Loomis. He's like, see ya. Yeah, he yeah. has him dead to rights. And he's like, I'm just going to head out. It's fine. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. He doesn't. Now that, now that you mention that, I don't feel like he has a whole lot of malice for Loomis through most of the series. No. Um, he he almost like there's the scene when I can't remember which which one it is. It might even be this one where Loomis is like uh, trying to psychoanalyze him and he he confronts him face to face upstairs. That's the and, the next one I think. Okay. <clears throat> oh sweet Jesus! And he's and he's like he could have killed Michael, but he decides to like talk, try to talk him down. And then yes. that's when Michael's like, wait a second, eh, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I think this is a pretty good sequel. I have this uh, in the top half of the franchise uh still two and a half star movie but i like the right. i like him on the roof michael on the roof i think some of the kills are a little bit mediocre and, i agree and a lot of the characters are, are pretty two-dimensional but the introduction of jamie and her performance uh it takes it into a direction where i'm like uh, and what did i have a fever dream have i seen one of these with it with a little girl is the killer i thought the boy was a killer and then she's in I think it's the next one. She's in the clown outfit and near the end. Um, That's this one. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know. It was, it was it was pretty enjoyable. You know, I think this is uh, on the better end of the spectrum. But the the weird like jowls on Michael Myers' mask <laughs> kind of makes makes the me crow's feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His, like, his mask looks concerned in this one. It doesn't look intimidating. It looks like he's always kind of like, oh, did I just poop my pants? Yeah. Well, when do they stop selling those masks at hardware stores? How many people have to die before they go, this is in poor taste? Well, that, that's a uh, Wes Craven threw back to that in the Scream franchise because after one uh, serial killer with the ghost face, you'd think they'd stop selling them. But no, they made an entire movie series about it. <laughs> and they yeah. sell them at every five and dime from here to Maine. <laughs> Absolutely. I like. Well, let me, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I like the introduction of the angry mob in this one, too. Like, it's. I don't know if it's because I have the nostalgic affinity for this movie, but I think it's better than what they did in Halloween Kills, where the entire town goes insane and starts chanting, make Haddonfield great again. But. <laughs> 
I just I like that there's just this truck full of like drunk hillbillies and they're like, we're going to take care of this once and for all, guys. Let's just go shoot every moving bush we see. I was going to say, is where they shoot the bush? Ted Hollister. (laughs) (laughs) I said I thought he was in the bush. That's not my fault. That ain't on me. That's on you. That was funny. They also uh, introduce this thing, and they do this in uh, Friday the 13th, where it's like, here's the young kid who's traumatized. Uh-oh. They're going to be the new Michael Myers or Jason. And by the next week, they're like, F that. We ain't doing that. Yeah, they tried. They, they, <laughs> they, they had they, an idea. They didn't follow through. <laughs> right. Well, that was the producer, Mustafa Akkad. He was like, no, this is Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be Michael. Um, that's why the fourth, yeah, the ending is out there i don't know i like with it they, they at least swung they tried something um but then you get part five and it just ruins that entire last five minutes of that movie but was, um, was loomis about to blow away yes. Jamie lloyd on the stairs yeah he, yeah, was, he, he was not gonna go through this again yeah he's like charles bronson he just starts <laughs> gunning people down the sheriff had to jump in and pull his gun down and be like no this is the second time loomis has been unhinged with the pi- when are they gonna take away his pistol <laughs> They're like, he's a psychiatrist, so I guess it's okay for him to carry a gun and be a vigilante through town. Yeah. Did we talk about how him and Michael just miraculously survived this fire from part two? Yes. Yes. He's got like the egg on his face for half the movie. (laughs) It's the makeup from uh, You Only Live Twice. He basically brought that out again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Anyway. Yeah. And then um, I just wanted to touch on the the ending before we move on. Another thing that's always stuck with me is the the Michael just hiding underneath of a truck and appearing in the back and killing and throwing guys off, and then the number he does on the the the, the bartender who's driving the truck like just rips his fucking neck like wide open. Love oh, that yeah. effects work from John Carbeekler, and um, yeah, just just knocking Michael into the fire fire into the um graveyard, and then all the cops just opening rounds rounds on him, right. and then. I thought they dropped the dynamite, but that's not until part five because they had to like. Because once we get to it, I'll I'll talk about it then. But well, and it's like we talked about how Michael can just magically drive a car in this movie. He's like an electrician. I don't know if he took a correspondence Bucky. course. He's like cutting the power and doing all. It's like okay. He throws Bucky into the generator. <laughs> I forgot about Bucky. Power. Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess that'll do it. Is uh, um? Does he actually rip a throat in this one? Yeah. Okay, because in Rob Zombie's Halloween in 2007, he also rips a throat. I have a definitive throat rip list that I'm making on Twitter. <laughs> Very nice. So, yes. Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, I got Dalton from Roadhouse, MacGruber, uh, the what's her name, the the daughter from the Underworld series and Awakenings, Blade. He does. They do a throat rip in Blade. Casey Ryback, which is a what's his name, uh, Steven Seagal from Under Siege. That's right. And, oh, shit, and of yes. course, John Rambo. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Michael Myers twice on the list. It's the only one. It's a, it's a record. <laughs> it's a record. He sets the tone. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's keep this conversation going. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Help me. Help me. No. We both know he's alive. But you know where he is. Halloween 5. This time, they're ready. This time, he's unmasked. And this time, he's back with a vengeance. 
Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Halloween 5 was released October 13th, 1989, grossing $11.6 million against a $5.5 million budget. So the budget went up. <laughs> they didn't learn their lesson. They kept the budget going, and it made less money <laughs> um, to the point where I really can't even defend it. I'd say this movie broke even, if anything else, and it probably made its money back in like home video and shit. But as far as box office receipts, yeah, it doesn't look good. I think that people were just getting tiresome. And Slashes as a whole, the late 80s, you know, this whole genre was just going downward fast. Look at the numbers for all the other franchises, your Elm Streets, your Friday the 13th. Like, they, they were not going up. They were only going down because people were getting tiresome of it. And it shows. Um, <laughs> so, I'll, I, we had the start of our... Pink Panther title, Return of Michael Myers, Revenge of Michael Myers, and then Curse of Michael Myers. Um, <laughs> yeah, this movie's just a mess. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. You got, you, you, all of a sudden, you turn the Myers house into like this huge, gigantic Victorian mansion, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is now sitting on the corner of a street. It's like, number one, his house is not that. And number two, he definitely did not live on the corner street. Right. Um, That's funny. It's ridiculous that all all of a sudden Jamie can't speak. Only part of the time. She snaps right out of it. And then the mask. God damn, this mask is so bad. The untucked mask with the big neck. Yeah, this mask is so bad. No disrespect (laughs) to John Shanks. I love Don Shanks. He's a down-to-earth guy, but that mask, dude. Hey, we all do stuff for a paycheck we regret later. Yeah. I mean, I mean this was the first movie in the journey where I was just like, oh, shit. I mean, how many more I got? His yeah. mask has a receding hairline, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the representation. <laughs> I just wish that Michael Myers would, like, do something in this one. There's just a lot of, I'm just waiting for him to be an imposing force. And, um, but on the bright side, I do like that, uh, you get a little bit more like I, I I respected the the boldness of the idea of like transferring the evil, you know, to somebody else, which they alluded to a little bit in the fourth one. And I think they spend a little bit more time like making you think, oh, Jamie's really going to be the next killer. Right. And like something she's connected with him somehow. And it gets into this like kind of mystical stuff, which is which gets off the rails with the next one. But I appreciated Boy. it. Yeah, I appreciated it. And it's kind of that's I feel like where they, from this, birthed a little bit of the idea of Corey Cunningham and, and ends. Uh, yeah, so, and I, I had never seen this tongue. one. Yeah, I had never seen this one before, or number four, or number two. So this is all new to me, and I'm like, ooh, the Jamie trilogy. I saw it called that online before, Yeah. I, you know, when I was kind of looking through all this stuff, and uh, still not a great movie. Again, a two-star movie, but... <laughs> How have we gotten even a minute into this movie and not talked about what the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Halloween five is, which is the clown music that the two oh, cops yes. have. Yeah. What is that? What choice was that that they made whenever they were like, we're going to have two cops in this movie. They're going to play clown car music whenever they show up. Why? Who backstage? This, right. this is the same person who came out and was like robots two yeah. movies ago, <laughs> came back into the room and was like clown car music. We have to do it. Well, and they don't do anything funny. 
It's so bizarre. Yeah. They just show up like where they're supposed to be the comic relief, and then t- like five scenes later, they're dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the actors who played them were like, "What the hell?" They had no idea they were going to give them them kind of sound effects. And shit <laughs> until Are they just the, supposed the to be incompetent? Is that the idea? Yes. I guess. Yeah, like, cops it's are goofy. A, just the direction was incompetent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> The, I know the guy who directed this, Dominique Othenin-Gerard, is really out there. He's a Swiss-French filmmaker, and apparently, behind the scenes, everything that he shot, he kept on telling all the female actors to make it sexy, make it sexy. <laughs> and it's like, dude, we're in a slasher movie. Like, what the hell do you want from me? Right. Yeah. Make it I sexy don't... like a giant cookie woman. <laughs> that always reminds me of, like, True Lies. <laughs> do it very, very slowly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let your hands be like your lover's hands on your body. There's that Jamie Lee Curtis connection. Yeah, yes. they they kill off Rachel like in the first fifteen to twenty minutes of this movie. That's always pissed me off. Yeah, because she was such a goof, like a strong final girl in the last movie, only for her to go down with like not even a fight in this movie. She turns around after getting out of the shower and like Michael's her scissors and just stabs her to death. When originally, I was even sure she was dead. Huh? Right? It was like she gets stabbed and then. I mean, I, I felt like she there should have come back and found a body or something. Well, they do. The they, he stuffs the bodies in the later, attic. Two hours later, like, oh, right. by the way, yeah, she didn't make it. I just, I, I just hate that. It's, it's, yeah, it sucks. You know, Stu, you said she didn't want to be in the movie. Is that what? It, that's what? what I've. That's what I've heard. For there were various reasons she was either filming something else or she just didn't want to come back but they it's kind of like uh, Alice in Friday the 13th part 2 they got her to come back for like one day's worth of shooting to get her in and out of there mm. well but with Alice she wanted to stick around she was bummed to find out she's killed in the opening scene well according to the documentary <laughs> of this film like it's kind of like how Ellie Cornell is um with who played Rachel I mean maybe she had another role that that limited her availability I don't know but yeah. Uh, on that retrospective because Scream Factory when they put these out in 4K last year they all had these like every film had like a half hour to 45 minute uh, documentary on it that's cool and um, Ellie Cornell you know was like kind of like all of us like what the hell you know after the last movie bummer because she was so strong and they made her go out like like this it sucks and then they had to manufacture Jamie's relationship with the friend that was so it's like really I don't care oh, about Billy? my foster sister. It was the friend. Yeah. No, uh, Tina. Tina. Oh, Tina. Tina. That's right. Oh, okay. Tina. God, Tina. <laughs> Fuck me. Everybody hates poor Tina. I, I don't her mind fault. her. I, I really don't. Um it's the the other friend and, and her boyfriend who get it in the barn. Yes. Um that they've been like the more memorable ones in this movie. I don't know. I don't have a lot of good things to say about this movie as a whole. <laughs> I enjoyed um, Loomis cook, screaming at the child. Cookie oh, woman. Yeah, this is, That's yeah, the Loomis screaming listen, at her. Listen, Jamie. This <laughs> is peak crazy ass Loomis. It is. Yeah. It he's is. unhinged. He's like and, a he, he's like a, a like a wrestler. You know that energy right. of just like putting on a show. You're like, wow, you're swinging <laughs> for the fences. <laughs> and I love anything where somebody drops a net on somebody else, like it's a Wiley Coyote cartoon. Yes. <laughs> It's like a whole net. It's like a it's a chain net in this. It's movie. a chain net that he drops on Michael Myers, and Michael Myers is like a cartoon character. Like I can't get out. And then what like, do I do? Loomis like <laughs> has a stroke and collapses on top of him, seemingly dying, even though that's not the case. Because um, watching the movie, it does appear that they were trying to like write Loomis off. Like the, the, he pretty much takes his last breath on top of Myers after right. that chain thing drops on him. Um, 
Right before that scene, though, we, we get this scene with this deputy upstairs, played by Troy Evans, a character yeah. actor who I've always fucking loved ever since, you know, he was in Base Ventura, he was in Demolition Man, just to name a few. He's huh. the, the fact that he's in this movie always makes me go, oh, he's here. Okay. <laughs> Charlie! That's what they call him. <laughs> um, that's it. I, I, I have, you know... Uh, the scene, I, I, I guess I can say one good thing. I do like the scene where, um, after all the mayhem happens in the field, and the, after the fire, the, the car slams into the tree and blows up, and Loomis goes back out by himself or something, and like he's yelling into the woods for my for Michael to to go home. And I've always liked that scene because you can see Michael. It reminds me of the first movie, like he's. In the very, he's in the back, like subtly, but it's like it's kind of like a where's Waller situation. You got to point him out, but um, I, I do like that scene though. Other than that, fuck this movie. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. In my mind, they give you more information about the whole cult of Thorn mythology, but they, they start. Don't. They plant the seed. They kind in of this movie. introduce it, yeah. and introduce the Man in Black, but then give no other information. And I was reading about the next movie. When they were making that, they went back to the writers and said, what's up with the cult of Thorn? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> they didn't even know. Yeah, that's we punted on that. That's the next writer's problem. <laughs> Pretty much. What's What was the guy's name, the the man in black? Do they have a name in this one, or is it only man the black. next one? That's man his name. Black. Okay, okay. This is my fourth from the bottom. This is number 10 out of 13. Oh, right. Pretty bad, pretty show. bad. But there's some worse ones. Yes, there like are. Like the next one. <laughs> I'm sad to say, yes, there are. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, He's been sloping down this whole time. Yeah. Actually, like no, the same way. Little blip. Let's get into it. Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Every legend is based on fact. Every myth is grounded in truth. For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. Everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth. I knew what he was, but I never knew why. of Michael Myers. Halloween 6 was released September 29th, 1995, grossing $15.1 million against a $5 million budget. Budget went down a little bit. Total gross went up. This is a Dimension film. The Weinsteins produced it. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um, there's two cuts to this movie, famously the theatrical yes. cut and the producer's yes. cut. Oh, really? I I own both. I I prefer the producer's Wait, cut, Jesus. but but it's still by no means a good movie. <laughs> um, this is also our introduction to Paul Rudd, and yeah, this is the He's third so... and final film in the uh, Jimmy Lewis Jimmy Lewis trilogy, being recast, no longer played by Danielle Harris. Now she's played by um. Uh, She's a C, adult. In this uh, one, J.C. Right? Brandy plays her in this movie. Right. How many years later is this supposed to be? Um, I think five. 
she's like she's like a proper a, well like a late yeah, teen, early 20s six years after yeah that actress is clearly like in her mid-20s but she's only supposed to be like 15 or 16 she's years 15 old yeah, is that, yeah. I, was, that, I was confused about that i'm like she's having she's giving birth here this is a, an adult and she looks like an adult but this doesn't it doesn't say it's all about 12 years later or anything like that well how many years passed was it wasn't it like Five or six or seven years. Yeah, later. this was yeah. several years. This was, this was I think five years. I think it was five years after. Uh, Revenge came out in ninety. I want to say this was ninety five. This is ninety five. Yeah. And it says six years ago in the synopsis. Six years ago, Michael Miles terrorized the town of Haddonfield, and he and his niece Jamie Lloyd have disappeared. Yeah, it's uh, this is an interesting. This is an so, interesting movie. So this is the '90s variety. I I, I like to call it because this was right. like you got alternative rock. You got your characters wearing flannel and shit, um, <laughs> as we did. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. But it's it's like it, they even gave um, some rock guitar to the the Halloween theme in yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't really uh, very tough. What a bad, bad choice that was. So I will start with my. I have some pros about this movie. I do like. The um, the oddball casting. So on top of you know Paul Rudd, Marianne Hagen, who plays the final girl, Kara Strode. Um, character actor Mitch Ryan is yep. Doctor Wynn. Um, I remember him from Lethal Weapon and um, Gross Point Blank. And I um, want to say Dharma and Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just he just passed away last year, actually, March fourth. And he was also on um, the 60s version of Dark Shadows. Remember that show? Soap opera? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. But anyway, um, Kim Darby plays Deborah Strode. Kim Darby from True Grit, the original, and Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead. Mm-hmm. And then Susan Swift plays the nurse who gives the baby back to Jamie and tells her to go save your baby. Um, she was Aud- Audrey Rose. It was a 70s horror movie, for those of you who are uh, unaware. And other than that, um, yeah, Pleasance is back, and he's actually, like, happier. Well, behind the scenes, he was also weeks away from his passing, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, he literally, he he couldn't even come back for the reshoots. That's why the producers cut. Um, Oh, no. It's nonsensical. You see things from, like, a different angle. Because they couldn't get Pleasance back, obviously. He passed away. And Loomis is retired in this one, too, right? Yes. Right. And he had extensive plastic surgery to repair his, yeah. uh, his burned face. face, he said. No, no more He aid. said, I ain't wearing that shit again. <laughs> you get, right you get an script. You get an explanation in the producer's cut, which, if I recall, is not in the original cut, but that always bothered me for years until I saw the producer's cut that Loomis is retired, because what in the first five movies implies that this is a guy who, while Michael is at large, is just going to be like, yeah, I'm done. I don't need to worry about this anymore. <laughs> well, in the, in the theatrical cut, when you first see Loomis, he's working at his desk, listening to the radio, and it's that... right. Whatever show, whatever that guy's name is. The Love is. Line or whatever. Uh, Barry Sims, Barry Sims. Yeah. Um, which is so funny. They tried to get Howard Stern for that role. They yeah. actually tried. <laughs> the fact that they actually tried to get Howard Stern to be in this movie is hilarious. But anyway, he's listening to the radio and the caller calls in and says something about Loomis. And he's like, didn't he die? And then Pleasance laughs and he goes, oh, I'm not dead, just very retired. <laughs> just my career is dead. <laughs> and that's it. That's the, that's the line that... that says it but anyway 
Um, that Marianne DJ character, Hagen. that I'm DJ sorry? character, isn't he get? Is he come back a couple times throughout the series? No. Okay, I, I could have sworn he looked just like another character that I Who thought they just about? the DJ character. Barry Sims. Um, maybe I'm thinking of a different one. He's like a blonde guy that shows up to one of the t- towns. He's on the stage and he's. He's like some shock jock DJ character. That's that very That's sense. the DJ. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I could have sworn he was a he like a leveled up like one of the teenage characters from an earlier movie, but I think he just looked similar. Yeah, probably yeah, because he's just the one and done role in this movie. Um, although I do like his death better in the producer's cut because he goes to a van, but he goes to the wrong. In the theatrical cut, he just gets into his van because they're all going to go back to um, um, his friend's house because he finds out that that it's the, the old Myers house. And then when he gets into the, into the van, uh, Michael pops up from the back and stabs him to death. And the producer's cut, when, it's the same death, but the, pan, right. the camera pans back and it shows that he actually got into the wrong van. He got into the, um, the, the, the state institutional van that has the correctional numbers and stuff on it and shit on the side. Uh, <laughs> so It's all. basically the same movie, the two different cuts, up until the moment Kara goes through the window. When and she then it becomes two radically act. different yeah. movies. Exactly. It's, I had only seen the theatrical since mm-hmm. 96. I think I actually saw it in the theater way back when. Um, and I was refreshing it this time for this podcast. And I'm like, this shit's a little different. What's up? <laughs> and it was the, the, the producer's cut is now on Amazon Prime yes. with no special notation or anything. It's oh, just yeah. Halloween oh, wow. versus Michael Myers. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I rewatched it recently on Paramount Plus and it's the producer's cut, but it doesn't tell you that. Oh, wow. You just right. think you're watching regular Halloween 6 and it's the producer's cut. That's crazy. It's basically, it's basically how much do you see of people in robes and hoods and shit, basically. It's like in the theatrical cut, Mitch Ryan goes like, well, enough of these robes. <laughs> Fuck these robes. Yeah. Whereas in the other one, it's all culty. I must have watched the producer's cut because I was flabbergasted by the amount of mythical cult yes. lore and How? like Nordic runes in the sky. And like there's, oh, there's a, it's like a mercury's in retrograde and there's a constellation over us it only happens once yes. every 17 years i'm like what I, the I can fuck answer this right this? away pete how did the version you uh, you watched how, yeah, did, how did, it did end how did paul rudd defeat michael myers how, in yeah the how did, how did your version end when you watched it <laughs> oh god i don't even remember this was one of the this is this is one of the earlier ones because I, I watched this did almost he, a month did ago did he beat him to death with a pipe that made green goo come out of his face or did he stop him by placing runes on the ground? Or were there a he bunch of rocks that made him stand floor. still? That was good. To be honest, I don't remember either one of those. Oh. I thought Paul Rudd, I thought <laughs> Paul Rudd gets killed. Yeah, this one, the whole time, I, I I think my eyes were in a perpetual state of rolling throughout this movie. Yes. So I was either only way, catching every third fair. frame. <laughs> it's better not to remember. I want to say it was the runes. Um that's okay. producers. That's the producers okay. cut, if so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I just, watching them on the internet, like, looking up Thorn. Was that the name of the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Called the Thorn. Thorn. It was like, who wanted this from Michael Myers? Who, who wanted... <laughs> Michael Myers is a puppet from some uh, 16th century Scottish or Nordic, you know, god that <laughs> shows up every couple decades, and you're like, what? What? I, I can answer this? that. Uh, Daniel Farrens and Joe Chappelle were the ones who wanted that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, this is a. I have a, a film reviewer that I follow on Letterboxd uh, named Michael Elliott. He's the, one of the most prolific reviewer, like a uh, number of 
entries. He has like 2,500 titles logged a year. Holy it's shit. unbelievable. We had him on our show because I just I, ca- I called him or messaged him to see if he could come on and talk about how he does it. And uh, I was reading his review, and he said, I saw this on opening night, and in the final moments when the finale happens, there was a literal riot in the theater, and people were throwing chairs. They damaged the screen. Oh, shit. Yeah, Jesus. like it, it was a for real riot. And he's like, I did not participate, but the awe of how bad the ending was to Halloween, like, loyalists, they were wait, waiting for this, uh, like, the the mystery behind the man in black and all this other stuff. And he said they canceled all the rest of the showings of that theater. <laughs> the movie. So No, the... The theatrical cut is nonsense. It's it's unintelligible. Yeah. Like the ending, how they wrap it up, you're just like, what the? What is this? Yeah. What does this even mean? It just has a very sudden ending. Yeah. Oh, okay. With Loomis screaming because he was dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah Donald wasn't to die. Right. So they're just kind of doing their best, I guess. Because it's best like wasn't good enough. Paul Rudd beats him to death with that pipe, and then they yeah. go, they all meet up in the alley in the back, or whatever. It's it's it's, um. Kara, her son Danny, and and Paul Rudd, Tommy Doyle, they're and they're talking to Loomis. He's out. He's next to the van or the jeep or whatever. And he's like, and Paul Rudd's like, "Come with us." Don't know where they're going. He just says, "Come with us." And he's like, "I can't. I have some personal business to attend to." And then we camera pans back to the mask inside. It's gone, and we just hear Loomis screaming. And it cuts. It does this fucking weird flash to a pumpkin. And then it's over. That's yeah. that's the theatrical ending. Interesting. Yeah, that's not the that's screaming, definitely not the one I got. And the screaming you hear is actually the screaming from his run on the producer's cut. When he sees the thorn right. on his head. Yeah, when he sees the thorn. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's that. Which is exactly. also a horrible ending. Yes. Honestly. Where it's like now he has the, now the he thorn has, shit yeah. on him. What does that mean? No one knows. Does it mean it's, he becomes the shape? That's what I took that's, it as. Yeah, Lumis that's, what, becomes it, that's the shape. what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Myers the Santa Claus. is the man in black. <laughs> it's, it's, and can we talk about... The, the Myers Claws. Right, the Myers Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Can we talk about the whole Kara Strode family connection? Like, why... Oh, God, I thought you'd never bring that up. Who shit about them? And who... Is Michael Myers also the father of her child? Is that what we're supposed to think? All right. So the father, John Strode, the one who gets his head blown up in the basement, well, depending yes. on which cut you watch, he is the brother of Laurie Strode's father from the first Adopted movie. father. No, they're, Adopted. They're, they're, they're brothers. Yeah, but he's... She's not really Laurie Strode. She's like Laurie Myers or some shit, right? So the Strode family was her adoptive family. It's her adoptive family. family. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, Kevin, well, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Technically, you're right. But that's the, that's the, the connection. Are related, though. but he's she's not related to either one of them. The Lord. guy we see and, Lori talking right. to in the first one when he's like, you know, leave the key under the mat and shit because he's a realtor. Right, that's that's he's her adoptive the brother. Father. Yes. John is the brother of him and his wife Deborah, and then yeah, that's the connection. But, They're all Strodes. But again. They're not related, but they're not related by blood to Michael Myers. Right, but still, it's. <laughs> this I'm is not where gonna, I, you know this, what I can't yeah, defend this... it. It's bullshit. This is why I hate the family <laughs> thing. Dating back to '81. <laughs> Fuck this. <clears throat> yeah, the trilogy just gets uh, with the the Jamie Strode trilogy goes kind of off the rails, and it's like I I think that if I had to ascribe like a reason why the writers and producers would do this is that they wanted they're like okay we're what six movies in you got to keep it fresh 
You gotta do something new. What what's new? What's popping? What's happening? What's new? Um, how about uh it's a it's a fucking cur it's a literal curse. It's called the curse of Michael Myers. And the whole time, you know, he was uh he was controlled by the moon. No, the moon's that's not good, no good. How about a, uh, <laughs> some stars? How about that? Yeah, people <laughs> love uh, constellation astrology. of stars. Yeah, oh, people love it. astrology. It's really in right now. <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember those little um things you could buy at the at the like liquor store? It was like a little tiny scroll that was like yes, your star I sign. Remember. Yep. Yes. I, I remember seeing those when I was a kid and thinking, what the hell is this? I'm like 10 years old and I'm <laughs> like, who believes this shit? Somebody printed this in a factory, put it on the on the this the counter at a liquor store. Yep. And they're they're appealing this movie to those people, people that buy those tiny scrolls. <laughs> Do you ever so. buy one and you get the little thing inside and it's like, oh, cult of the thorn, and then you look at your wrist and go, no, no, yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, my parents no! never buy those. No, I used to think they were cigarettes. I was like, they're selling individually wrapped, colorful cigarettes. That's what I thought they were when I was a kid. Yes. I was a dull child. Magic cloves. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, this this one I think is on my yeah this is second from the bottom for me. Okay. I, I, I had a feeling this was worse than part five for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's you know it's funny yeah. they have the same rating for me. They're both two stars, Wait. but they're but You're this right. was markedly worse. There was so no, enough fun like ridiculousness of this, the campiness of it was uh, made it worth watching. And just seeing Paul Rudd try to explain the <laughs> <Yep>. lore, <laughs> try me the serious. immortal Paul Rudd. <clears throat> Yeah, it, I love it, it was fun. that I love that he filmed this before Clueless. Right. And you yeah, can tell right. that sometime between this movie and Clueless, he went to all the acting classes in the world because it's <laughs> it's a universe of difference between his performance in this and just the the charismatic dream that he is in Clueless. Because Clueless actually came out before this. Yes. But this movie he gets the introduction credit because he filmed it first. Yes. They filmed this in ninety four. And I believe they shot Clueless in early 95 for a summer release. So. Okay. Yeah, this actually was a three-star movie until they got into the ancient rune forces and all that stuff. Then it just <laughs> right. dri it dropped markedly. Like, I was having a fun time with it. And then the, I think the, the most enjoyment you get from it is the, the full commitment the ser to the seriousness of right. trying to explain this bullshit you know, idea right. about Michael Myers and where his strength truly comes from. I Would like, you have enjoyed it more or less if it took place in space? Oh, way better. Because way it almost better. did. Oh, really? Almost. Yeah. Jason. When there there were rights battles to see who actually controlled the, the Halloween franchise before this movie came out, and when a bunch of ideas were being pitched, one of the ideas was Michael Myers in space. Jason X, I think, is my third favorite of all the Friday the 13th. Oh, <laughs> Jason X is great. It's oh, funny it's so you fun. mention that because the director of this one, Joe Chappelle, directed Hellraiser Bloodline, which took Pinhead to space. <laughs> oh, no shit. Cool. Yeah, same director. Sweet. Um, He was just a fucking puppet for the Weinsteins at that time. Um, I like the scene. I, I do like Kim Darby's death. I like that whole entire sequence. When, uh... Loomis comes to visit her to warn her to get you know, the family. He breaks into her house. I know, but whatever. How he gets in, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Everything from that moment on to the actual axe and the blood. I, I'm always, well, I don't like off-screen kills. I'm not a fan either. of those. But this is an exception because I love the blood splatter on the white, the white sheets. It's just, it's a cool effect or a cool mm. look visually. 
So I, I do like that sequence. Um, and um, I like the mask in this movie. I do like the mask. Um, that's that's all I got. That's all I have for that's all. <laughs> those are the only pros you're gonna get out of me for this movie. Oh, and Paul Rudd, obviously. But other than that, um, it's even hard to have fun with this movie when I watch right. it. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And that, it doesn't matter which version it is. I've been it does not. I've been. Yeah, one the is watcher of the producer's cut. Better. I got a VHS bootleg of the producer's cut at my first horror convention back in 2001. And I watched it a couple times, and that was pretty much it because it was so unwatchable quality-wise. And then uh, about 10 years ago in uh, Scream Factory, we were able to make it. They, they put it onto a Blu-ray, and now it's in 4K. And still unwatchable. It's still, you, yeah. You know, <laughs> For different reasons. I'm really, I'm kind of pissed off that you guys are dropping this knowledge on me that he, uh, that there's a producer or a theatrical cut and a producer's cut because I consider myself a completionist. Now I no, have no. to make a movie to watch. Do there you go, baby. It's not worth it. The theatrical cut. I am going to. It's going to have, I'm going to have to. <laughs> I want to see <laughs> that. <laughs> it's only right. We need to stage an intervention. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I have a problem. Well, then, I guess we can move on to the next film, which uh, a few years later, we were graced with Halloween H20. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. That's terrible. Take off your clothes. My brother killed my sister. <laughs> How'd he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? What's going on, baby? I don't know. This is a sick joke. Now. Come on! The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. But this time, it's going to be a fight to the finish. This summer, Terror won't be taking a vacation. Halloween H2O. It's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. I've had my share. Rated R. So Halloween Water was released on August 5th, 1998, grossing $75 million against a $17 million budget. Well, I guess Scream came out, and that was a good thing for the horror community because I guarantee you if, if Scream never came out in 96, uh-huh. this movie would... It, maybe this movie would have came out still, but it would not have grossed $75 million against a $17 million budget. So I think yeah. it's safe to say horror was kind of back in a good way in 98, 
I don't mind this movie. Um, I was a really big fan of it when I first. This is my first theatrical Myers experience. I went um, opening weekend with my mother and brother and had a blast. Um, this is a film that I've watched. I'm not going to say I've watched this the most in the franchise, but it's up there. I mean, it's only 80 minutes. It's, it's a really easy watch. It's, yeah. it's really short. Mm. There's nothing yeah. to it. Um, you, you've got your pretty much all the tro- all those tropes that Carpenter introduced in 78. They're back in full force here. Um, I, the, the whole mask thing, we'll get into that. But that aside, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it, it's it's kind of a fun movie, even today watching it, you know. I think Steve Miner does a good job of, I mean, Steve Miner has, a, you know, talk about him in horror, and Friday the 13th, part two, part three, House. Now he's back with this. Yep. Um, of course, we got Jamie Lee Curtis back. This is uh, this is one of my favorite Jamie Lee Curtis's, the drunk. Uh, drunk Carrie Tate. Yeah, drunk, fled, uh, fled the country or fled the state, uh, and now she's living with this trauma. And there's something about a character that we know, um, I guess, living with the consequences of what, like, almost like a real-life version of what would happen if this happened to a person. Right. She's been, in this timeline, it was the original Halloween cool. 2 and then H2O, right? Right. Correct. Okay. So she's been through two experiences with Michael. That's enough. Get out of the state. Uh, drink your change trouble. Your name. Change your name. Change your yeah. name. Yeah, uh, you found out this psycho killer was your brother. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah we forgot. still yeah, got that, that, unfortunately. And um, I don't know. I think she's she's pretty badass in this, in the sense that she's a real person that's kind of fucked up. And by the end of it, she turns into a, a, a real deal final girl, and she mm-hmm. makes retribution for her inactivity in the first two versions. She literally. Slices his head off with with an axe at the end. <laughs> is, so it, is it an axe? It's an axe. Yeah, yes. a fireman's axe. axe I Fire think. Axe. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, and I'm like, finally, someone does the appropriate thing for a murdering serial killer and makes it unambiguous. Um, right. I do not recognize the retconning that that was not Michael. <laughs> I do not. I I I, I, <laughs> I bite my thumb at it. You know, tuh, tuh. it's it's nothing that I'll ever. Uh, I think that's one of the worst rewrites it later, which is not this movie, so I won't talk about it. But I, this is very near the top of my list uh, for, yeah, of the franchise. Nice. Very fun. And I didn't really love it the first time I watched it. This is one that I've seen twice. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that uh, Josh Hartnett's hair is the, <laughs> is the inspiration for Courtney Cox's hair in Scream 3, so it's yeah. all it's all cyclical, you know, uh, uh, cyclical. Even as <laughs> Cool J has a line, comb your hair. Yeah, right. yeah. Everybody. It was the '90s. That's what we were doing. Sure. What can yeah. I tell you? Beanie I'm hair. Look, yeah, it's like the idea that you rolled out of bed and looked like that. That's what it actually looks like when you just roll out of bed. Well, what you know, he did yeah. was he wore a beanie on set, and it was frustrating the hair and makeup people to no end to the point where they just gave up. And oh, then he would funny. wear the beanie, chain smoking his cigarettes, hanging out with Jamie Lee and shit. And then when they would go to shoot a scene, he would just take the beanie off and jump in. That's it's funny. like that. That's that's why his hair is the way it is. It's crazy, but um. So going back to Scream, this movie also incorporates the infamous uh, opening death 
that scream and sure that, that scream kind of started. You got your big character in this movie. It's Nurse Chambers from the first two films, mm-hmm. and Joseph Gordon Levitt making an appearance. Yeah, oh yeah, and I forgot Jogo. You've got you know your opening murders, and then it cuts to the credits, and then the film actually begins. So it it follows that 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 path that most of those late 90s to mid aughts or to early aughts horror films were doing like this urban legend valentine to name a few um, right i think when you watch this as a as a like chronological release order right like i think we all uh, did you guys all do it like that yes okay yeah. That's I did. Yeah. yeah once i got to this point it's immediately obvious how much quality how the quality has ramped up since the last like two or three it re- you're like this is this feels like a real movie, not like you know, like a student film or something. Number five, number six. Up to this point, H two O had the bi- biggest budget, seventeen million dollars at that okay. time yeah. was the, the the most money that they were allowed to uh, make to, to make it with. Um, and now I remember hearing about this film at first. I remember scratching my head at the title, like water. I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. <laughs> but then uh, after it was spelled out for me, like the twentieth anniversary, like oh okay. Don't like it's still title. a bad name. I still don't like that is, title, but whatever. Yeah. I've grown. I, Twenty-five years later, I'm used to it. Um, right. But I remember hearing about it um, in Fangoria, and at the time, they announced that Jamie Lee and all of them were coming back, but Carpenter was supposed to be the director, and mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson was supposed to be writing the screenplay. Oh, wow. That ended up not happening. Williamson just wrote a little story blurb, and then did a little punch up, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your your dialogue between the kids. But he didn't write the actual script by by any means. Actually, who wrote it? That, that um, makes that makes sense. It does feel Robert like Zappia. it's got that little bit of Kevin Williamson, Dawson's Creek. Absolutely, yeah. can almost Red hear Paula Cole in the background. Yeah, <laughs> right high away. at the time. I mean, they're even they're even watching Scream Two on TV in one scene, I believe. Oh, that's cool. So, yep. But yeah, I mean, it's short, sweet, fun, fun movie. That's that's my. It is kind of a breath of, of fresh air, isn't it? Especially yeah. the way so we're quick. watching it. The way we're watching it, we're like, what the? We're in the depths. <laughs> yeah. right? right. And so then going from that to this, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I said, it's a it's a pretty typical late 90s horror film. Right. Like you said, like, like a Scream 2 mm-hmm. kind of quality, urban legend. Um, and it's, it's, an, it's an enjoyable. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm way up there with Pete. Uh, this is going to be in my top five when we get to that at the end of the the list here. Okay. I it, I think this is one of the best ones. I really like it. And I love the portrayal of Laurie Strode here. I think her trauma is very believable for somebody who was related to this killer and went through two movies worth of trauma with this killer. I buy her as this person who's trying to live her life, but she's obviously suffering a lot with the alcoholism and she's put her son through a lot, but she has fled the country, not the country, I guess, but (laughs) fled the area and, and tried to change her life. To me... There is another interpretation we will eventually get to down the line where we see a, a an aged Laurie Strode who's suffering from trauma that I don't find <laughs> believable at all. But this one, I think like, okay, yeah, I totally buy that this is where this character would be. I mean, she's like a functional alcoholic. I mean, she basically is day De- drinking all yes. the live long day. And she's a dean. 
right? She is. Yeah, she is she absolutely. Is. She teaches a little uh, English yeah. on the side, and then is the dean of the school. So she's holding it together. I Poster guess. child for functioning alcoholics. <laughs> yes, a role model, really. <laughs> a role for all of us, absolutely. I think no Jamie Lloyd in this. Yeah. Or Jamie Lloyd. Mm. She's retconned out. And um, I think that uh, I don't really like this mask very much. Um, which version? Which one? There's four of them in this movie. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, there's two, at least two that I've seen that are like, why yeah. does it look so bad? Like, I think being able to see his eyes so clearly in yeah, one of the versions. That. I don't like that. And then and that's, the ultra that's smooth Stan version. Mask too. <clears throat> they got yeah, a lot of people old... that worked on the mask for this movie. Oh, really? Well, the, it does have one of the more iconic shots, I think, from like the Halloween series is Laurie and Michael on the opposite side of the window. I'm like, the porthole. Yeah, yeah. The porthole. I'm like, oh, that's really cheesy, but I freaking dig it. That was Just, the money shot when this film came out. All mm-hmm. the marketing. That was. The, I was going to say was that was in the trailers and yep. shit. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought the money shot was when Michael lowers himself by one arm. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. That's cool. Dude, he is he has upper body strength for days to be able to do that. Come on, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a, a hallway scene that she does like a fake out with him where she's like hiding in one closet or something like that and I'm like she's learning. <laughs> earth, nature is healing. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um I guess Short movie, short comedy. I was gonna say it's this. it's hard to talk about the good ones, and there's so few. But this one's just good. It's I I it just is, really exactly. enjoy this one. There's nothing really to make fun of here. I mean, there's some the CGI mask and stuff, but well, I mean, this is that? just a really enjoyable one. So yeah, so like I said before, there's four masks. We got the they reused the John Carbuckler mask from Part Six in the beginning. So the opening murder sequence is actually the Part Six mask. Then there's shots of him from afar that you can't... Any shot where he's like kind of in a distance and you can't see his eyes clearly, that's the K&B mask um, from uh, Greg Nicotero, uh, Howard Berger, and, um, and, and Robert um, Kurtzman. And then... Stan Winston, he did the mask where you see up close, where you can see like his eyes clearly visibly. And then there's the CG shit fest for that one scene. Yeah, is that's just picture? in one scene. This is literally one shot, and it's ugly and holy. Is it where you can see all his defined facial features and stuff? Yes. On it? Okay. Yes. I've seen that it's, picture before, and like, like, it looks like it's animated. Yeah, it's like shiny and silver, and it just okay. looks like a mess. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really just two seconds long. Little Man Taint is, uh, with his name, Adam. Adam Hanbur, his character, look, looks up after trying to get the corkscrew and sees him, and he's got that fucking mask. So, can I say one thing that um, I think most people don't appreciate, but I appreciated was LL Cool J reading erotic fan fiction that he <laughs> through most yes. of the movie. I was like, yes. who put the decision that he's reading this to his wife, and she's also on the other line, like, yeah, baby, you got this, you great. <laughs> You're like, what did you say? Like something like large melons. Your melon breasts. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very. I uh, it's a, <laughs> an oddly like wholesome relationship they have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trailblazing for ninety uh, ninety eight or whatever. They, this Absolutely. Is. Yeah, I don't mind LL in this movie. This is an instance where they got a rapper turned actor and they do it right. So. Oh, uh, if, if only we would have a, an instance of the opposite of that. <laughs> 
Well, we can talk about that because <laughs> next up, <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see only what you see. Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is gonna be fun. The windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. Let the danger-tainment begin! You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? One flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens. You are like this close to getting voted off the island. Wait, what just happened? We just lost Bill's camera. There's somebody in the hall. Sooner or later. What took you so long? Trick, mother. So Halloween Resurrection was released July 12, 2002, grossing $37.6 million against a $15 million budget. Budget went down, numbers went down. I wonder why. So I remember, the, I remember one thing about this clear as day. All the marketing was like one last showdown between Michael and, and Lori. And it's like kind of misleading. I saw the writing on the wall. I knew going into the movie for the first time. I saw it in theaters. And I knew going into it, I was like, she's going to be the opening death. I can see it coming. And sure right. enough, there it is. Fucking opening fucking five minutes. It's a waste. It's like she kisses him and then falls backwards in that weird shot with her hitting the ground. Yeah, not a lot of good things coming out of this movie. This is a lot. This, this was a chore to watch. This was yeah, this definitely a product of its time, live streaming mm. through the Myers house. Yeah, but reality TV. Yeah, reality exactly. You know, ran by Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks of all people. <laughs> and there's a scene I remember watching when I saw this in the theater. The scene where Michael confronts Michael. It's Busta dressed up as oh, yeah. Michael yeah, 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 confronting yeah. the yes. actual Michael, and. I just remember thinking to myself, why? Why is this in this movie? Like, uh, <laughs> why is this There's happening? A lot of that. What are we doing? Like, you know? And, like, earlier on, he's like in his hotel room watching like, chung, like kung, kung fu and shit. It's like, mm-hmm. what yes. is this? What are, what are we doing here? Um, I don't Did know. they give Busta script approval or something? Because what the f- I mean, I know, his right? kung yeah. fu shit, he's fighting. Oh God! If you're a wrestling salt. fan, it seems like Busta had creative control yeah. in his contract. Where he's like, "You can't make my character look weak." He had yeah. the Hulk Hogan contract. Yes, yes, like, that's a hundred percent. behind the scenes, like, yeah, it's not gonna work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be the one to kick, uh, do the kung fu kick and knock him out the window. Like, yeah, that's LL Cool J. LL Cool J came into H two O and he was just like, "Hey, let's just have some fun with this. Do whatever you want with he my character. Humble. It's great." Yeah, right. Buster Rhymes came into this and was like, "I'm an action hero. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna be the savior, and also yeah. super cool and lovely, <laughs> kind of a weird sexual deviant in a way, like a voyeurist." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they really went down with the cast. I mean, we've got to even mention or acknowledge that Janet Lee is an H two O. 
Yes. Right. And then we have this movie. Rick Rosenthal, director of part two, came back to direct it. Um, I remember it had like one of the Hawaiian, the Hawaiian, one of the American Pie kids is in this, uh, Thomas yeah. E. Nicholas, rookie of the year. Shout out. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The final girl, Bianca Kajalik, I can't pronounce it. Forgettable. Just, yeah, it's totally forgettable. I mean, then it's the entire cast. I mean, I get it. They were hot at the time. You know, Sean Patrick Thomas, Say the Last Dance was a big film, so of course they got. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, that motherfucker got a special, like, in, he, like he got a special credit, like special appearance or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, what the? F- okay. <laughs> he was hot stuff at the time. I was like, this is 2002, definitely. And then uh, Katie Sackhoff is in this movie, which yes. I'd totally forgotten. I'd totally forgotten that and she was in this. She has the weirdest fucking death scene. Like, Michael just, he's got a regular kitchen knife, and he just does one single swipe and yeah. clean cuts her head completely off. Like, yes. okay, movie's that makes in a sense. movie. That makes sense, yeah. Anybody who's ever tried to butcher a chicken, you can do that very easily. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, and they gave her a body double in this movie. Did you see that? Yeah. There's a scene where she pulls up her, her top, yep. her broad top, and she... She it's said, not "I'm not her. doing that." Right. So they filmed it as if she does. She just kind of gives a little something, uh, and then they put in a body double without her knowledge. Oh, interesting. That totally flashes her her chest, and then <laughs> Katie Sackhoff said that she was pissed off because the girl had smaller boobs than she did. <laughs> so she's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and um, a, and I, I hate that weird subplot too with the 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 Decker kid played by Ryan Merriman from Final Destination Three. Him and his friend dressed up as Pulp Fiction people, a little racist, and oh. it's just weird. Like this whole party, yes. like they're just sitting there. Mind you, it's like they don't. I don't even know whose party this is, but like he just goes in. And he's like, "Where's your computer at? Let me use it." And all of a sudden, like he's now like helping the final girl out and shit with their little two way right. palm pilots and shit. And it's like, well, he was catfishing her. He told her that he was older than he was. Yes. And all yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot thing. going, a lot of weird subplots going on in this movie. Yes. Yeah. There is, there is. But uh, Busta is terrible in this. Yes. I love Tyra Banks. Equally terrible. Yeah. And we uh, don't even see her die. No. She's... They filmed her death scene. Oh, really? She had, they just yeah, elected they filmed not it. to it's, use I it? I believe it's on the disc. It's one of the deleted scenes. Because this film oh, also cool. has four different endings, too. Oh, wow. Like Clue. But they're all like, like clue. Yeah, yeah, it's like clue. <laughs> it should have been like that in theaters, but that's yeah. not what really happened. <laughs> yeah, Halloween Resurrections is the clue of our generation. It's been said many times. <laughs> Pretty much. Many times. Um, <laughs> I I think that the the kills are in, in general ungood, and uh, <laughs> the thing that kills. I think that really pissed me off the most about this, and I didn't hate this, not as much as I was expecting to. I've heard the just the absolute abhorrent like uh fanfare for this for this movie that's right. it's terrible it's the worst and it is pretty bad uh part six is worse uh but uh i wish they would have really leaned into just the insanity of this weird world that they built where she can break glass with her head with her screams 
I wanted yeah. I wanted her to scream and Michael's head to pop at the end or something. <laughs> like they set it up like something's gonna happen. Well, he's a it's a mutant. Yeah, it's check Chekhov's uh, uh, killer scream. You know that makes sense. <laughs> she does it two or three times throughout the movie, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be great if they do right. that. Oh, he's gonna blow one of his internal organs or something." And then he just gets electrocuted, and you're like, "That stinks. That wasn't fun at all." Well, and it's all it's interesting. This is kind of the first movie in 25 years, basically, where Michael isn't after Jamie Lee or some descendant of Jamie Lee. It's just. Oh, there's some dudes in my house. I guess I'll kill them. Exactly. He's <laughs> yeah. defending his house in this movie. That's the weird thing. It's the stand your ground law. He has every right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Filmed in Florida. But like, let's say Hadn't you're one of the six Florida. people. You, let's just say we're, we're one of the six people doing this stupid thing. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're in, a, you're in this little house for like the all night. Like, what the hell are you going to do? That's going to be entertaining. That's going to keep everyone's interest for that long. Like, that's why right. the two people start banging, or they get ready to. Right. Yeah, and, and they like, hated each other. They They're did. like, "We got, we got hours to kill. Why don't we just have sex on the dirt floor?" Sounds good. I'm well, in. Well, <laughs> if they if they wouldn't have gotten hot and heavy, they wouldn't have found that secret portal down to Michael's little <laughs> lair where he's eating all the rats and shit. It just <laughs> the wall just collapses on them for no reason. I mean, how hard were they? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> these are teenagers, Kevin. They have the energy. energy. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Again, twenty-something teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> God, but I love movies. Obviously, <laughs> Jamie Lee was contractually obligated to be in this movie. Yeah. Um, it shows, you know, everything. I, I, I got nothing really good about this film to say. It's neck and neck with Part Five for my bottom tier. Um, I've always felt this way ever since I saw it in the theaters. It's, it's just been, yeah. This, seems, this was definitely the one that, that put the knife in the franchise for a w- little while. It, it seems almost disrespectful to this franchise. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And the fact that Rick Rosenthal, a veteran from the franchise, came back to direct this shit. Just, what does uh, Busta say when he's, when he's kung-fuing him at the end? Trick or treat, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> yes, wonderful. The famous uh, line. Wonderful. <laughs> the worst thing. <laughs> it's it's you just have to have the like almost pure adoration for just how bad that is. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the, the the final girl like gets into a fight with Michael in the burning garage at the end and it's like she whips out a chainsaw and she's like she's like trying to poke him and she's like this is for Derek and for Red. She's like trying to like re- like People she didn't give a shit about. She's right. like, this she is from this, and this is from them. It's like, you didn't give a shit about them six hours ago, and now you're all about redemption with that chainsaw. Yeah. Not, well, I, I not the strongest if... part of the franchise. <laughs> no, it's not. But I wonder if this movie's better if they replace Busta with just an actor. You know what I mean? It's just do an actor been, thing. It still would have been bad. I, okay. It's not going to be good, but... I honestly wonder if you replace Busta with just a dude, like you're right. saying. I think this movie... I think I would forget this movie happened. At least Maybe because so. of Busta Rhymes, I remember it. Yeah. Right. But, like, in between watches of this one, which are few and far between for me, oh, and yeah. I love this franchise, <laughs> I've only seen this one twice. The first time I watched it, and then whenever I rewatched it for, for podcasting, uh, I would just forget it even existed. It's right. that bad and that negligible. And 
I want to know at what point in technology did we ever have instant messaging or texting that came through one letter at a time? <laughs> <laughs> it was they were on dial-up yeah. though, Guster. <laughs> uh, I, I have an idea how to make this what, the best of all the Halloweens. Oh Jesus! Ooh, and it, and it, also, it also involves removing uh, Buster Rhymes. But you replace him with Ernest P. Worrell himself, Jim Varney. Yeah. <laughs> just, just imagine every other scene is Ernest looking at the camera and saying, "We are in for a special treat. Here we are, dangertainment in this house." And then he goes flashes back and forth between a bunch of his characters and all the people standing by are watching him. Like Michael shows up, he breaks the fourth wall and goes, "Eww." Yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> he kisses him on the lips like the troll in uh, Scared Stupid. It's. I, I think that Busta, like, I, I'm agree with Stu. I'll always remember this because of Busta, and I'll always Absolutely. remember this because of the missed opportunity of the head pop. I thought we were going to get the best kill of the, of the series. I'd never seen this one before, this watch through, and I was uh, sorely disappointed when I didn't get the head pop. Yeah, no head popping in this one. Just heads getting lobbed <laughs> off with kitchen knives. Yeah. <laughs> Although, the, the, the American Pie guy, his, his death's... I don't know. There's something about a knife through the top of your head that's always been. Yeah, like, that's not really. That's got to really fucking hurt. <laughs> so, at least it's um, quick. Yeah, hopefully. So, all right, we're done with this part of the franchise because next, uh, Rob Zombie prepare comes yourself. to play. <laughs> <clears throat> this Halloween is when the edgy, the, the edgy era comes in. Tonight's brutal murders was described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness. Three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 15 years. This summer, Rob Zombie unleashes a unique vision of a legendary tale. Listen, be careful tonight. A lot of nutcases come out on Halloween. Is the boogeyman real? Why are you so obsessed with the boogeyman, Tommy? Halloween night, the boogeyman attacks kids who don't believe. Oh no, Tommy! Boogeyman's gonna get me! I'm gonna cut that mask right off your face. He's come back for his baby sister. To do what? Rob Zombie's Halloween was released on August 31st, 2007, grossing $80.4 million against a $15 million budget. We got a new box office winner here. 
This film outgrossed H2O. I remember this for years. Rob Zombie held on to this little tidbit of apparently this was like the, the, the highest gross Labor Day weekend film at the box office for like at least a decade. And sure enough, really? every Labor Day weekend, Rob Zombie will be on Twitter or Facebook <laughs> being like, still the king, baby. Until oh, wow. something came out. Of, uh, I, th- I think it was Tenet or something came out in the last few years, that same weekend that broke the record finally. Um, so we can shut the fuck up about that for once and for all. But yeah, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, love it or hate it. This, this definitely has its fair share of loyal fans as well as people who downright hate it. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, it's 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 better than a lot of the other films that we've talked about so far, but it's just sometimes I watch it and it's just too much Rob Zombie for me. Like yeah, talking about the characters and and the way they talk, and it's it's a bit much. And look, I love cussing as next as much as the next guy. My favorite word is fuck, but. There's there's comes a point where you're like really, and that's right. how I feel sometimes with the dialogue in this movie, especially wait till we get to the second one. But this movie in particular, um, I, I love the cast, and that goes for every Rob Zombie movie. I love how he just goes and gets everyone from like the the heyday of of the genre and pulls them back in for for movies like this. Like you got Ken Fury, Ken Foray, uh-huh. you got Adrian Barbeau, fucking uh, uh, Michael. Um, who was Loomis? Oh my God! I'm sorry. Malcolm McDowell. Oh, Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Um, I did like the fan service of all the other small characters, kind of speckled in. That was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Mead as, 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 as uh, t- um, Michael. You're talking about the cast. Both this movie and the next movie, which we'll talk about when we get there, mm-hmm. they have acting performances that neither of these movies deserved. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Correct. I agree with that. Correct. You know. Scout Taylor Compton, Daniel Harris, and um, Brad Dourif in particular. Yes. Both movies are fantastic for I just agree. the absolute drizzling yeah, shits sure. of a script they were given. Correct. Uh, 100%. <laughs> um, I just, I, you know what? I, I have to say, it, if you love Rob Zombie, then this is for this you. This is your movie. Yeah. yeah. This, this is, is for you. Alley. If you're me, who does not care for Rob, because people love him. Oh, they I love him. Oh, I know. Yeah. I saw House of a Thousand Corpses and I said, deuces, I'm out. And I, you yeah. know what I mean? You're the, you're the in or out at that point. Right. You know, and I made a vow and I had to break that vow twice for this, uh, hey. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> so are they are they near the bottom, both of them, for you? Yes. Okay. Near? Uh, near or at? I know my... Um, my late best friend, co-host Sean, he was a huge Rob Zombie fan, but he was kind of like on the outs with these two movies. I remember that. He was not the biggest fan of them. Um, but yeah, he was a big Rob Zombie fan. So I don't know. I don't know what that says about these movies um, to be a big fan as, well, as much as he was. I mean, he had, you know, Captain Spaulding, you know, inked on one of his arms and shit. Mm-hmm. That's how much of a fan he was. But uh, when it came to these two movies, they were just forgettable. I mean, he watched them. He went with me to both both films opening weekend to see them in the theater. But we never talked about them because he just didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah. We never talked about them because, you know, obviously. First but, rule um, of Halloween Club is don't talk about Halloween talk about Club. Him. And don't think about them either. 
I, th- I think my biggest pro is, Stu, you hit the nail, um, hit, hit fucking nail on the head with that, with the, the, the performances, the actors, and they have right. no business being as good as they are for this movie. Um, and yeah, Scout, I think Scout Taylor Compton is incredible. Um, I think Brad Dorf is in a league of his own for these two movies, performance-wise. Right. He's always great, though. Malcolm McDowell, this movie, love him. Next movie, we'll get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, let me ask you guys. I probably already know the answer to this. When we went back and rewatched it, do you remember which version you watched? Was the rated or unrated version? I oh, believe shit. it was the unrated version that I saw because I think the the difference, the the key rated... difference is how he gets out of the hospital. Yeah, the one I watched is the one where they try to rape the girl. Oh, yeah, he, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's I hate that one. I think it's I think it's hard to find the rated version or it the is. You gotta find there's a there's a Canadian Blu-ray that has a double feature for both of them, and they have the rated they they are the rated versions. Other than okay. that, when you stream it and everything, it's always just uncut, and I hate that yeah. because I prefer the rated yeah. version because I like because the rated version has Bill Mosley. And right. Leslie Easterbrook. And Leslie Easterbrook. Yeah. yeah. Like the That's whole, the one I that saw. That Rejects gang comes back for that scene and, and Tom's Howells. And, and, yep. and, yeah. And then the rated, unrated version, instead of those, we get Lou Temple and, and Courtney Gaines trying to fucking rape this girl and Michael being present. <laughs> and it's, it's a fucking mess. It really is. That- that just seems to be like a microcosm for Rob Zombie's movies. I was movies. just going to say the yeah. same thing. It's yeah, like, I mean, where it's just gross and distasteful. Yeah. It's the only way I can describe it. It's like, how much edgy shit can I cram into one movie to let people know that I am edgy? I'm the king of edging. <laughs> right. It's um, and All that being said, though, I really don't mind this movie. It's as, This is uh, top half of the franchise for me for ooh. the type of movie that it's, it is. It's fine. <laughs> I... I think the kills are fantastic. They're gory as shit. Um, the characters, though, are poorly written. Mm-hmm. I, I think that one of the biggest things I don't I dislike about Rob Zombie movies is that, um, specifically this and the next one, is that he writes these like teenage girls like the stereotypical horn dog teenage boy. Right. Like, the worst version of the teenage boy you can write, he puts that into the female characters, and it's like right. all they want to do is is screw. Uh, you know, and every single girl who's on screen who has the opportunity to take their top off is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if they can die in a kill, they're going to die chest up. And it's right. It's, it's yeah. it, like I'm not I'm not a prude by any sense of the imagination, but it's like what would happen if you were to like take uh, a hot topic that exclusively caters to the insane com- clown posse fans and turn that the into Jungle a movie. Host. Yeah. <laughs> It's a Juggalo themed insa- uh, hot topic uh, location that gets turned into a movie. You That's what's with the clown. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I don't know. It's like I, if I were to like give Rob Zombie the credit where it's due, it's like, oh, that's an interesting way to subvert the teenage girl versus the teenage boy trope in these you know slasher movies. But that's giving him way too much credit, and I don't think that's deserved. Uh, I I do think that this is the best mask in the series, though, in my opinion. Oh, it's a good mask. It's a good mask. 
Yeah. Like the nicest sure. the nicest thing I can say about this movie is it's a tale of two halves for me. Like I think the first half of this movie is insufferable. I hate the first yeah. half of this movie. I hate Michael Myers as a little kid yep. for all the accolades. I will give Daniel Harris as a child actor early on. I think Dag Ferch is a fucking nightmare as young yeah. Michael. He can't act. He's yeah. just obnoxious. Um, and then in the back half, it becomes a, a more violent retelling of the first <laughs> Halloween and it's watchable, but boy, it's, I hate, I hate watching the first half of this movie. It's just an exercise in tedium until you get to the, the better back end, which then, like you said, is all just women taking their tops off and everything. But it's, right. I mean, at least it's the first Halloween just with more blood. Everything with uh, William Forsyth and his character and, and all that Awful. family shit. And the scene yeah. where, even where Michael's killing his sister, it's like, He's got that large mask on his little body. It just looks ridiculous. Um, yeah, as far as the mask goes, I, it's not one of my favorites. I can see how you like it. because um, it's, it's a good mask. It's just, I don't know. It's funny. I was at, when I got my ends mask the other day, um, the, the, the spirit where I was at locally, they had um, 78 masks. They had Halloween 2 masks. They had this one, the, the, the ends. They had 2018, and then they had Rob Zombie Halloween masks, and I'd never seen those before, like in in person. So, uh, not gonna lie, I almost bought it. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, "This is actually a pretty good mask." I'm not, you know, it's it's, but it, when when you pull back and, and and compared to other films, I don't. Maybe it's just like I'm just so used or, or accustomed. To other masks, and this is this movie's a little bit more newer, obviously. Uh, maybe it's that. Um, it's a good mask, though. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a good mask. I think that it's an interesting exercise, Rob Zombie remaking this movie, <laughs> because how many times have you seen um, a different artist's version of, or they'll take like Starry Night, that uh, Van Gogh painting, mm -hmm. and they'll make it. A different subject but in that same style mm -hmm. this is the opposite of that this is like taking starry night and then doing it as a you know norman rockwell painting or doing it as a you know pablo picasso painting what would that look like i like to think the future because this is how many years from the original this is uh 2007 uh, almost 30 so that's years. what yeah. 29 so let's just imagine, if you will, 500 years in the future, somehow we have not nuked ourselves out of extinction, and we have 30 different remakes of the original Halloween. Oh, every different style you can imagine. Mm -hmm. We have a Dr. Seuss version. We have a, we have everybody's, a, oh, who the, Wes Anderson did a Halloween, you know, reboot. Right. And what's the take on Michael Myers as a character, and what different spin can you put on the lore? Because in this one, you have he kills his sister, but there's also like a younger sister, which I guess is the throwback to the second one right. where Laurie Strode yeah. is. But they right. don't ever mention it in the first one. So it's like, okay, this is how they could have done it in the first one. And also, by the way, we're going to make this the trashiest family on the planet. Oh we're going to make yes. people you want to die, you know? <laughs> so was, I, I like, like I like the, the reinterpretation of it. It it's not a great movie, but I still think that there's a lot of um, there's an for the people that are gore hounds. This is a gory ass movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think right off the bat, they they were they wanted viewers to know that in this version, 
yes, Jamie or uh, Laurie Strode is going to be the sister of Michael Myers. Because yeah. the whole after he kills the family and all, he goes in and sees his. What do they call her? Hey, Boo or something? Calls her Boo. Or yeah, Boo. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and, what does he want with his sister? Because it seems like he doesn't hate his sister. He's not trying to kill his sister. I think she's no. she's yeah. not. Uh, she hasn't turned bad yet. She's right. not a piece of shit yet. The answer yet. to that question lies in Halloween too. I remember when they was was first announced, and uh, my my initial reaction to this was. Really, my my initial reaction <laughs> was the fact that Halloween was being remade. Period. Like I couldn't believe it. Cause I, I I remember thinking it hasn't even been thirty years, and it's Halloween. How are you gonna? And then Rob Zombie. I thought about that too, and I just thought to myself, this could be a take because I'm a fan of his Firefly trilogy. Um, and at that time, all I really had to go off of was as far as him as a filmmaker is Corpses and Devil's Rejects. So, knowing that, and not him having not put in anything else out yet at the time, um, I, I do kind of remember just being accepting, like, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, <laughs> <laughs> famous last words. Yeah. And then I remember following along when he was going through the production, and then all every day it seemed like. Daily, he was just announcing new cast members for this movie, and of course, it was people that you'd expect to be in a Rob Zombie movie. You know, Ken Forey, Daniel Roebuck, Adrian Barbo, Sid Haig. You know, just to name a few. And when the film came out, you know, it 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 was serviceable, but it it was nothing. Like I wasn't blown away. I wasn't mad at it. Um, but then I saw the uncut version after it came out on home video and. <laughs> think i hated it more because i really have a big i, I do not like the scene with he with his escape scene in the director's cut at all yeah yeah it, i think what, it's what, trash vile any name you can think of that's what it right. is and i'm just i'm still to this day shocked that that's the only version you can pretty much see um if you want to watch the movie today in the, in the states at least everywhere else i'm sure it's more accessible to watch the rated version which is my preferred version um because again, you got Bill Mosley and Leslie Easterbrook and all of them coming. You know, it's 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 a quick scene, but it's still it's fun. You know, Bill Mosley in a Halloween movie, right? Um, but other than that, you know, I've always thought Scott Taylor Compton um, is great in, in in the role. She'll never be Jamie Lee, but that's she wasn't trying to be. You know, she does her own thing, and I respect that. And to this day, the scene where Michael kills her parents, D. Wallace, and um, oh, what's his name, uh, Pat Skipper, that scene comes out of nowhere, and it's a brutal scene. I remember when I saw it in the theater, I was like, he just kind of like crashes through the house all of a sudden and kills them both, and it was like, holy shit! And the number he does, the deep poor D. Wallace man, she is the nicest woman ever, <laughs> and she does not deserve that kind of death scene. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's pretty much my consume my, all my collected thoughts on Halloween 2017. So, about you guys, what did you guys think of Michael Myers in this? I kind of was like, he's too big. He almost seemed like he was. I like the giant aspect; it makes him scarier. And I like Tyler Maine too. So, kind of biased. He's a wrestler. He was good. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was fine in this. Yeah, I think they're trying to. I don't know. This franchise, especially when you get to part two, it tries to have it both ways where like, <laughs> oh, he's just a guy. 
he's not actually supernatural, but then in the second movie, like, oh no, he's also a big guy and he's supernatural. But if you're going to make him just a guy, then yeah, like he should be like six foot eight and just entirely menacing and you don't really stand a chance against him. Yep. So I didn't have an issue with Sabretooth playing him. (laughs) (laughs) My my biggest issue with with this movie was uh, that like, it's almost like Rob Zombie trying to do an artistic movie. Oh, it, oh, that's the next <laughs> film, dude. That's the next movie. You oh, are, are talking we not about on him two? trying to be artistic. Holy shit. Are we not on two? I thought we were on two Let's right now. get to it. H2, okay. Halloween <laughs> 2. Lock the place up tight. I don't want any surprises till I get there in the morning. Six guys left one stiff. That's one for the books. <laughs> Help. I'm trapped. haven't been able to produce a body. Do you think Michael's alive or dead? Will he kill again? Let me make things clear. Michael Myers is dead. D-E-A-D. So, how are you feeling? Nightmares are chewing at my head again. They just seem to be getting worse. I've had four calls about Michael Myers today, all in the space of 10 minutes. Are you a giant? I know he's not going to come back just because it's a stupid holiday. I need you to call 911. We're at 15 Cherry. Halloween 2 from Rob Zombie was released on August 28, 2009, grossing $39.4 million against a $15 million budget. Same budget, less numbers. Wolf, yeah, artistic. That's 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 a good word to describe him, what he at least tried to do for this movie. He uh, said, bitch, I put a white horse in it. I, People are going to love that. I will say two things. One... I was unable to get a rewatch in for, on this particular film for this. So I need to do that because I feel like personally, a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of people whose opinions I, I, I value are starting to come around on this movie. It seems like the last year or two, I have heard more good or praise when talking about Halloween 2 than the typical, you know, shit storm that everyone had once, you know, described it as. 
again, I, I, I can't really speak personally because I haven't watched this film honestly in about seven, eight years. So humble brag. Lucky yeah, lucky you. Maybe <laughs> it has come around. I just don't know. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think of this. And before I, we get into it, I there is another in, this is another instance where there's a director's cut and a rated version. I don't know the differences. So can't waste really yeah, it's, it's another version. one where it's it's really hard to find the theatrical cut. If you watched it, you almost certainly saw the oh, okay. the unrated okay. version. So I have um so yeah, have white horses Boogie- go. Yeah, have you guys seen Boogie Nights? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. You know the scene where uh, Dirk Diggler tries to record uh, an album, and everyone's (laughs) just like, "You're just laughing at it." Yeah, like that was Rob Zombie. Yeah, that was Rob Zombie trying to make an artistic movie. (laughs) I'm like, this is this is so trying so hard to be deep. They introduce the concept of the pale horse or the white horse or whatever it is. Yeah, the white horse at the beginning, and you're like. How can I shoehorn my wife back into this movie? Absolutely. I, I know. Yes. She comes back as a ghost. She's the spirit of his mother, just speaking to him <laughs> through the whole time. And I'm like, that that is that was annoying in general, just the shoehorning of Sherry Moon zombie. Yes. Uh the second thing that was very annoying about this was um <clears throat> that there's like a ten to twelve minute sequence of um the main character, I guess Lori. Mm-hmm. It just it just still broke my it kind of breaks my mind calling that character Lori, just because she she seems so like young and like I don't know broken this broken child and we've seen right. Lori grow up into well, an call adult her angel and just, that was her, that was her birth name sure angel okay Myers. so angel there's like a twenty minute sequence of her that's brutal and she's in the hospital and there's deaths and kills and she's getting away and then it was all a dream yes and it erases all of that like. Uh, I don't know all of that um, goodwill that you've built up. I do from remember the, that, and yeah. then they do it two or three more times throughout the movie, and it's like there's so many scenes where she's just having this kind of psychosis in, mm-hmm. in, induced uh, sort of a dream sequence, and then it, it snaps out, and then it never happened, and you're like, just give it a rest. You can do that once, maybe in in a movie. Right. Don't yeah. do it three or four times. Yeah, anything past once, you're just you're toying with the audience's minds, and that's not cool. Cor- Correct, and uh, on top of it, the same the same critiques I had about the original, well, Rob Zombie's original Halloween, is is here too. It's super edge lord. It's trying so hard to be edgy. Every woman is killed topless. They're practically smearing blood on their breast mm-hmm. as they're dying. Oh my gosh! Oh, fall on their back. <laughs> you know, and then these poor women, these poor actresses are just. It, it, there's one that's just dead for half of the movie, topless, sitting in the, like the foyer or whatever. Maybe that's the original. But either way, this is the worst of the bunch for me. W- worst of the bunch. It's it's a it's a it's got like such a um, what's the word? It's mean spirited. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Like it yeah. it's trying to be a movie that makes you feel disgusting. So this is your number with 13. No, yeah, with no, well with no message behind it. You know, there's shocking movies. Not even Weird something. Al could save it from it. <laughs> Weird Al and Chris Hardwick. Weird Al and Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Yeah, usually when Chris Hardwick gets into a movie, it usually drops a full letter grade for me. But <laughs> <laughs> But yep. then uh uh Weird Al canceled it out though. So I love love seeing Weird Al in anything. 
I, I found it interesting shit. that yeah, no question. I, I found it interesting that Malcolm McDowell was basically not even. I mean, he was in the movie, he... but was totally removed from the action until the mm-hmm. final scene where he runs in and quickly gets killed by Michael. <laughs> yeah, no like he just he just happens to be apparently five minutes away from Haddonfield at the end of yes, this movie, sure. and there's no reason he would be. But yeah, he's just apparently five minutes away, so he can just show up at the end, and then he has that terrible death where Michael talks. Yeah. I can't believe they did that. Dark. Like what? was what was zombie thinking at that moment like you know one thing about this goddamn character and it's that he doesn't talk yeah i right. mean he shows his face the entire film because the he's entire got that movie fucking mask you see his half, face yeah. yeah and it's like he's walking around with, with it's not even on him he is literally walking around haddonfield like a bum and when he goes to kill someone he takes his little sack that he's carrying around and takes the mask out puts it on does his death scene and then just puts it back in the sack and just walks away what continues to walk along the train tracks it's it's insulting i'll never forgive that i'll never forgive him for what he did to the loomis character like what the fuck right. is that like he's like all of a sudden some like high like smug like he's like too good for every everything or people like he's just i i don't know i i hate that and it's the just more zombie mean spiritedness yeah. where everybody in this franchise has to be a shit person. And again, coming from someone whose favorite word in the entire world is fuck, I hate the dialogue and the usage it's of the really word. It's really bad. There's a right. scene, two in particular. One, with Richard Brake in the beginning before he gets decapitated. He says fuck at least 15 times for no reason. He's just sitting there going fuck, 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 fuck. And I'm like, what are we doing? And yeah. then no. even <laughs> the paramedics are joking about necrophilia yeah, for 10 yeah. minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah. and, okay. and even Laurie Strode's character, like, I get it. I understand, like, she's going through a psychotic breakdown and all, but, like, she's saying fucking using it like it's no tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, she kind of got off the rails as her performance was pretty over the top in this it, one. It does get it, it gets it's good, too but much. it's def it's definitely over the top. She, the first version, she reminded me of, um, um, actress, newer actress who's kind of out now in the horror world, Lauren uh, Lavera. She's mm-hmm. in Terrifier, Terrifier too. too. She's a final, yeah, and she's great in that. And it kind of reminded me of her performance in Rob Zombie's first Halloween. In the second mm-hmm. one, it's unhinged. Yeah. Like, active. see, I I think Scout uh, Taylor Scout Compton is great in this one because she I, I it's again it's the same thing where I said about H two O. Like, I believe what this character went through. Like, we're only a mm-hmm. year or two removed. Right. She was brutally beaten. I feel like behind the scenes Rob Zombie was actually just smacking this girl around and then sending her out in front of the camera like I've never seen somebody where I genuinely believe like oh god this girl's like going through it yeah right yeah, because uh, you know what you know what other scene I, I I believe that in is in the black phone when the little girl's being abused in the house oh 100% yeah. yeah she like, she cries shit. like an she cried like an actual human being cries. Yeah, like yeah. she just got abused by her father. It was yeah. that, that was and we forgot one of the most mention, intense scenes. We forgot to mention Danielle Harris coming back to the series as mm. Annie. Oh yeah. So she's playing Annie from the first one and she Right. And unlike the she's first Brad one, Dorf's daughter, right? Yes. Yeah, Sheriff's daughter. And unlike unlike the first one, she doesn't die. Um she comes back in this one and there's actually a scene where, like, in the end, it's it's during another one of Lloyd Strode's like psychotic episodes because they they live together. They they ever since right. they went to the first one, Lloyd moved in with uh, Annie and her her um, father, Sheriff Brackett. Yeah, 
And they're they're comparing like battle scars and shit. Like you know, Daniel Harris is like says something along the lines like you act like you're the only person who went through an event. Like I I survived this too, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, um, Stu, what you said about about um, it's it's a good take on the psyche. Yes, I just think some of the dialogue is much oh yeah yeah that's fair i get that yeah <laughs> but as far as the message and the reasoning yes it's, it's that's on point but i just don't like the way it's it's just a little bit over the top a little bit just a scooch <laughs> i think the, the also the hollow or the, the hospital uh kind of sequence at the beginning that ends up just being Which a flashback great, by the way i remember that one very octavia well spencer octavia spencer in a cameo octavia, just gets yeah, her and caroline slipped. williams too she's in that scene Stretch. Yeah, from Texas Chainsaw too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's um, there's some some very close up like uh, footage of like the surgery being happening and like the reconstruction of uh, Lori. Mm-hmm. That was legitimately like stomach turning. Yeah, it's they really did a, pre- a really good job with that. But it's almost like that was so good that the rest of the movie kind of went down from there. And oh it just, yeah, it descended ho- to something else. I'm like, oh, this movie fucking sucks. The hospital scene, which, like you said, is just a dream, stupidly, but it's the best part of the movie. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it I agree. Really is. As soon as she wakes up from that nightmare, the fucking film ends for me. Yeah, <laughs> the nightmare begins. Oh, that that too. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I everyone seems to be coming around on this movie. I don't know why, but I I do plan on checking it back out sometime soon ish. I'm in no rush, but we'll get there. This will never be rewatched by me. <laughs> that's fair. I make that vow. Yeah, that's a now that's a promise. You can take that to the bank, brother. <laughs> well, and then there were three. Halloween 2018. Testing one, two, three. We're on. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on a Halloween in 1978. <laughs> He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night. And has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. Everyone in my family, like, turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. bus crashed mom what bus crashed michael escaped excuse me somebody's in here hello for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out of the wall! 
So, Halloween 2018 was released October 19th, 2018, grossing $259.9 million against a $10 million budget. Whew, budget went million? down, it grossed. Yeah, because it was that oh Blumhouse style. It, that, it was that Blumhouse budget. Right. Blumhouse is always known for like $10 million or less. Like they keep That's their, an insane return on that. That's crazy. No wonder they announced them two sequels so quickly. Yeah. It grossed ridiculous money. I mean, this is stupid money. $259 million against a $10 million budget. So, yeah, this is this is a direct sequel to 1978. We're forgetting everything. We Part two, four, five, everything. No does sibling, not exist. No sibling relationship now. We are stripping no. everything away. We are back, excuse me, back to basics. So, at the end of the first film, after Michael gets shot and he is just MIA, we see a body print and that's it on the grass. And according to this film, he was apprehended not long after that. And he's been locked up for the last 40 years. So, I went to a screening of this movie. I went to an advanced screening of this um, when it came out five years ago. And I had high hopes. I don't know where you guys stand. I kind of have an idea. But I like this movie. I think this is a good continuation to the first movie. Um, it, it Speaking of Psyche, it, it speaks on that, being a survivor, uh, yep. PTSD. It's, 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 it's got a message. Um, I, it's it's kind of like the original film, Back to Basics. You know, it's, it's a little smaller budget. And it's Michael... Reunited with Lloyd Strode. So, um, I'm going to let you guys take the reins. What what do you guys think of this movie? I'm in the opposite camp of Stu where I like Laurie Strode in this. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and I I still think I like her better in in H2O, her, her character, (laughs) but it's almost like she got a a mulligan. She got a gimme for her, uh, uh, trauma riddled version of Laurie Strode. And she went to the, uh, she went the John Rambo version, you know, right. <laughs> where she makes a, a friggin' like booby traps in her house and really like it's it's almost like De- Devin Sawa in Final Destination, <laughs> right? Yeah, like the third or fourth one or whatever, where he's just like living in a cabin. He's like, nothing can get me out here as long as I just stay in this one chair. And she's gone nuts, and I like that. Um, I like that there's kind of a lore behind the original killings but it's not a, it's not a supernatural thing it's literally just a man right and i really right. like the gall the absolute unbridled ballsiness for the filmmakers to say fuck those nine sequels they don't exist <laughs> we're going this is how it really happened that forget all that so stuff many people off yeah I, I i i'm with it and i could see being like a if you're a diehard fan of the series and watching this and right. going 
it's I have two minds because I would imagine people would be very upset about it because it's like taking this loved beloved property and t- turning it on its head. Mm-hmm. But with this particular property, there's so many divergent timelines that they've already right, done it. Right. So it's almost yes. like, is anything sacred anymore? Yes, no. just the original, yeah. the one. Everything past the first one, fuck it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like how they did it on that. I built on it. Here's the thing. I can see where I everyone you know got all up in an uproar for ignoring these movies, but it's not like they were erased from history. Them films are yeah. still gonna be yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. They're, They're always still there. gonna Sadly. be there. With this, the, the one thing about this franchise is now you have options. If you want to watch the Jamie Lloyd trilogy, you can. If you want to watch right. the first variation of the Lloyd Strode trilogy, you can watch one, two, and H two O all you want. And even with this, you can watch number one. After watching part one, you can choose your own adventure. You can go to part two, you can go to part three, or you can go to 2018. You know, it. the, the, the choice is yours, really. It's not like those films have been erased permanently. They're always going to be there. This is just what this particular film did. It chose to just follow the first movie. And I have respect for that. I dug it. When I first heard about the film being announced and, you know, the, the infamous... Um, picture of Lloyd Strode or of Jimmy Lee Curtis standing under the facade of the of the Myers house of Michael standing there before they went into the production of this movie. I was excited, and I knew that they were going to go, you know, just this was going to be a direct follow-up to the first movie. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. and what Let's see when we take this character, you know, where's he been the last four years and all that stuff. And I also have an appreciation for how they go deeper and into all that with like kills and whatnot. The fla- I cannot wait to talk about the flashback scene in the next film. But keeping things on point, back to this movie. Um, there's a lot of things about this film that you got to appreciate. Just as a fan of movies, period, you got to appreciate, especially the fucking the, the long shot with Michael when he kills when he goes when he, his first like hurrah in Haddonfield for over since you know 40 years ago. And they had that long one take. I love that so much. Um, even the finale, you know, I, I would love to see the original ending, but one of these days it'll be released. But for now, we have what we got. And yeah, even though I'm kind of on the fence of Lori Strode herself in this one, like, I'm not sure still how I feel about her being all kooky you know with these mannequins and all these guns and traps in her house and living like a hermit sort of like maybe one of these days it'll grow on me but today i'm still on the fence with it um i i just i like everything else i i love james jude courtney as michael um i love the look you know even the mask after 40 years i mean obviously that's not how masks work but what they did with it it's still you know a cool, i do like this mask this mask is pretty it's good. a cool fucking concept and what they did with it just aged it up um yeah that's that's pretty much you know where i'm at on this movie there's, there's a lot of things about it that i like and um Stu, why do you hate on the fence? Why do you hate Jamie's so much in this one? I don't know. It's just not believable to me. It was. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear this. It argument. was one night. It was one <laughs> night forty years ago that somebody chased her for a few minutes, and two of her friends died. And she's just she's too far off the reservation. And yet, at the same time, the movie wants me to believe that at some point she settled down and had kids and. 
there's this whole juxtaposition that just doesn't work for me that like this all happened. Then she led a normal life for a few years. Then she went batshit crazy again. And here we are at this point. It just, it nothing about her character rings true for me in this movie. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Same. It is. But here's, here's what I want to say about the movie as a whole. Cause I, I do not like this movie. This movie is near the bottom oh, for me. Okay. Boom. I don't like this one at all. Have you ever watched a movie where something so incredibly moronic happens that you never get back into the movie after it happens? You're just, you're completely taken out. There's movies. For me, that's the, that's the Dr. Sartan heel turn. Uh, he turned heel yeah. in this movie. He put on Michael's mask and decided he wanted to see what killing is like. And the movie lost me for the duration. Uh, that I was spent, very strange. I spent the rest of this movie sitting in the theater going, why though? Yes, I can. T- I can answer. He wanted that. to see that, Michael in the wild. That scene only occurs to get Michael to the Lori Strode house. Right. That's it. That's the only reason that scene exists is to get Michael to Lori. That's it. Because there is no connection. No. between Michael and Lori. There is none. Yeah. Other than he tried to kill her a couple years ago, but they're not brother and sister. Like everyone no says in the movie, everyone keeps telling her it's not about you. It's not about you. And they're right. You know, she thinks that he's holding this grudge after forty years. He don't fucking remember her. He doesn't remember no. you know specifics about right. that night. He's just a madman with no he's motivation. You know, she ain't nothing special. She thinks she is, but in reality, she was just another victim that just crossed paths with him. It's, um, you heard the story about the guy that was in the first Hiroshima bombing and his house was blown down and then he, he rode his bike to Nagasaki and was bombed like a couple days later or whatever. He was in both. That's Lori in this. She has no reason to be in both of these, but in her mind... The universe hates her. Um, I, I like that this one, he's not a boogeyman. He's not a specter or has supernatural powers. Um, it is funny, c- looking ahead, how he evolves through this trilogy. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he is just a man. And knowing that, I agree with Stu. Maybe she overreacted a little bit. She spent the last 40 <laughs> years prepping for this attack that probably is never going to happen. Right. Lucky for well, us, he's 70 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <clears throat> yeah, she's now, she's she's something else in this. I I I, uh, I if I if you look back at the the history of Laurie Strode from Stu's perspective, I, I get you. I didn't see I didn't see it that way, so it didn't bother me too much. <laughs> you know, it's when this movie came out, it was obviously a huge hit, and right. the bu- there was a lot of buzz oh, yeah. for this movie. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I was gonna go see it in the theater, and of course I didn't. You know, life happens. So later, months later, I saw it on Amazon Prime, all jazzed and ready to go. I didn't hate it. I just found it a little disappointing is all I can describe it. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at you movie. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? I I expected a certain level because I, you know, I like David Gordon green. Right. Um, uh, I I like the, you can tell this is a real movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's real production value. It's very grounded. Uh, Acting is good. Absolutely. Um, Maybe I took offense that the podcasters are murdered. Very. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't bad. It was just kind of, okay. When the dude gets impaled on the fence underneath his, that scene. his chin, yeah. I did not love that scene. I love scene. the music of really? that scene. It was yucky. It was yucky. yucky. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's not how motion lights work, I love the idea of yeah. Michael getting closer as soon as the light comes back on. Like the, that's yep. it's it's completely fucking ass backwards, but I still <laughs> just love the idea and how they present it. And then, like I said, like that, 
that's that particular song from Car- cuz Carpenter came back to do the music for these three films him and his son uh Cody right. I like the soundtrack and on their this friends one. Daniel Davies I listen to this particular soundtrack often and this particular scene uh on the soundtrack it's uh the the, the shape stalks Allison it's my favorite song on the entire score and I just love it's just it's a smorgasbord of different things that I love that come together for this particular scene. One of my favorite parts of the movie, my my all my absolute favorite part of the movie though is the long shot. But other than that, um, yeah, I I I really do like this movie. I was really impressed with it when I saw it five years ago, and it still holds up for me. But um, that's also goes without saying. I. Stu, I hear you, man. I completely hear you on your argument. I'm with not Lori. trying to change anybody's I know mind. I know I'm not. just saying. You're just like everybody else. You have an opinion. And I actually, i just letting you know, I respect it. And I actually understand where you're coming from. Because, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. even today, I'm still kind of like not 100% with the way she's written. But, right. you know, overall, well, this, it's good. This movie, kind of, because I was so disappointed in it, I didn't see the other two. Until oh, really? for this, oh, really? right? That's the only reason I went back to it. Yeah. Ooh, this will be fun. Well, let's get into <laughs> it then. Coming up, we got Halloween Kills. person died. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills, the more he transcends. He's the essence of evil. Michael kill again. 
Halloween Kills was released October 15th, 2021, grossing $133.4 million against a $20 million budget. So the budget doubled, but it didn't bring it in. It, it actually oh, it brought in half of what the last yeah. film did. It's still a success. $133 yeah. million against a $20 million budget. Good money. Yep. Um, this was also like high of the pandemic, too, so... Yes, I don't think also, there was. was also, it was it twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? It was supposed to come out in twenty twenty, but it got pushed back a year to twenty twenty one. Okay, so yeah, so I guess not in the height, but I don't think there was not nearly much uh, like box office. Well, uh, this when they put this out, this was and they did the same thing with ends. They released it same day with uh, Peacock. Yeah, I remember that. I watched it so same day. Was like, ooh, it. it's exciting. Oh, that's right. That's because right. this. Like the first, like 2018, I went to an advanced screening of this one. Actually, all three of them I went to advanced screenings of. And this one I went with um, me and uh, my late friend Sean, and we had a blast. We fucking had a blast watching this with a packed theater that, that, that night. Um, and I, I just want to start my thoughts out by saying I understand this is not the most beloved film of the franchise. I hear everyone's arguments. Nothing hates me more. No, no, I don't hate anything more than Evil Dies Tonight. That is the worst <laughs> fucking thing they could have ever done yeah. in a Halloween movie. I don't know why it happened. Yeah. I don't know who started it. I have, but I have thoughts. I'll, I'll Evil Dies Tonight is the most... Eye rolling, eye gouging, goddamn saying ever. Literally eye gouging. Fuck, man. <laughs> but... So much about this movie to love. I love the flashback sequence. The flashback sequence is so good. I love how they even went back and they 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 made it look like Dean Cundy was you know returning as the DP. It, it was shot like what the way he shot the first three films. Um, everything to every little detail, even to like their badges on their bomber jackets, the police officers. Everything was like right out of '78, and I loved it. Um, the the alleyway, everything. Just I love the flashback sequence. So that that start with that. Um, Michael Good old Jim Cummings uh, is a little small cameo. That's right. I love that's him. right. Jim Cummings. I love how Michael is just balls to the wall, relentless in this movie. Zero fucks given. He is out to murder everyone in Haddonfield in the worst possible way. And even though prior to this film, I. See, I love the first movie so much that because like one of the things about the first movie is it's practically bloodless. You really don't see anything as far as gore goes. So I've kind of like stuck to that. And when movies in this series got more and more like gory and over the top, looking at you, Rob Zombie, I was always like, yeah, but it's not the first movie, you know. This movie is an exception. I was like, give me more of pissed off Myers. Like, this is great. Um, whenever I watch this movie, I watch it just as an hour and a half free for all, really. I, I don't really read too much into this film. I just go into it as a fan and I come out of it always satisfied with, you know, I, and, and, and again, I realize there's a lot of people that do not like this movie and I respect that. Me, I'm not one of them. I, I, this is a good movie for me. So, that's all. How does it stack up in your ranking? Is it how? Is it's it not going to be my top five, but it's it's. Not, I would say it's five. probably like six or seven. Okay. 
So fair enough. I don't I'll know. take it, off. Oh, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's like I said, it's like the last one that got huge, you know, rave reviews. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for that much. And then this one got poor reviews. So I'm like, oh, I'm definitely, I'm not this going got to destroyed. <laughs> it got destroyed. And then I remember watching it. And when Michael literally pokes his thumbs into the guy's eyes, I'm like, this is bad. And then it gets worse when you actually see the eyeballs. Yeah. Well, I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then he puts on Anne Murray on the record player. I appreciated Michael Myers doing that. Yeah, yeah. I have this dance. Thank you. <laughs> He's a big fan. Return to form for being goofy Michael Myers when he dresses up as a ghost in the first one. <laughs> right. yeah. You're like, wow, he took the time to do that. What a weird guy. Yep. And I appreciate all the kids and the nurse are hanging out at the bar together. Right. I didn't know they were all such close friends. <laughs> so good to know. Anthony Michael Hall, he's back. Because we see that couple, the 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 the, the black woman and guy in the first yes. film, in the long shot, mm-hmm. you see them. Because he even says, oh, "I forgot really? my stethoscope." And then I didn't notice it until a rewatch, but yeah, they're in the yeah, first one. Because this this, yeah. this takes place the same night, same night right. after the first one. Yes. And I I watched this. This is my second watch. I watched it on same day release at home. And I thought it was a mess. I thought the characters were stupid. The writing was sloppy. And I didn't appreciate that time jump. Um, although I did appreciate the gore. Mm-hmm. thought it was an appropriate level of gore. And it looked great. And I really enjoyed the burnt mask. But on a rewatch, having the entire history <laughs> of the Halloween franchise leading up to this, I'm like, this is pretty good. This is a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like the time jump. I did like that little world building. And putting yourself... Uh, extrapolating the psyche of some of the smaller characters I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it builds some uh, an interesting emotional stakes from some of the characters and it gives you a little, you're like, oh, that's Tommy Doyle as, a, as an adult now. I wonder what they're going to do with him. Right. And his portion, <laughs> when he leads the mob oh, God. to kill that poor mental institution uh, man, the poor, yeah. the poor patient. The, Who's like the penguin, Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, he's like five yeah. foot four. He's got the long stringy hair, yes. five foot four, couldn't harm a fly. He, he should have had like 300 pounds. Yes, and they're like, that's him. That's the six foot seven beast that's been <laughs> our town. Let's get him. And he like he kills himself. And t- Tommy's monologue to uh, Lori's daughter, to uh, what's her name? Judy Greer's character? Judy Greer. Yeah, Karen. 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 And she's like, uh, he's like, listen, I know I fucked up. I know I led this lynch mob to kill this menchy old guy, j- jump out of a second story building. All that being said, anybody could have made that mistake. We're still going to go hunt for him. And they continue the lynch mob with the, yeah, most, it, the cheesiest chant of all time. It's so bad. It. And then like he, he goes and sees Lloyd real quick because he got to have Tommy Doyle and Lloyd reunite for one scene. He's like, sure. He's like, Fit. 20, he's like, what the hell? Is he? He's like, forty years ago, you protected me. I'm gonna protect you. He's talking like he's got this <laughs> thick, like Brooklyn accent, and I'm like, what is? <laughs> what are we that doing here? You know, you know, like the kind of accent you get growing up in Illinois your whole right, life. Exactly. Get Paul Rudd in here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, get some real actors in yeah, here. But That's what the, we're talking the, about. the attention to like character detail, like they got like Cameron, uh, the not Cameron, um. Um, Jesus, what's his name? Uh, Lonnie from the first film, grown up. Lonnie, you know, um, 
I don't know. It's just stuff like that. Like, they brought back all these legacy people. Although, they did kind of go overboard with it. Like, I'm not sure I would have brought in Sheriff Brackett to be, like, head of security at the hospital. Because he's like, Laurie? Laurie's road? Like, dude, she's been in the town it's, her whole life. Like, she never went anywhere. It's, it's like the lady from Titanic. He should walk in and be right. like, it's been 84 years. <laughs> And, like, I, I like don't know, Will some Patton of them I felt too, were though. just wasted, him in particular, and yeah. I prefer Marion Chambers in H2O than this movie. Um, yeah. But I still appreciate, like I said, just bringing them back at least. It, it was cool to see them all back for one film, even though it was completely pointless for half of them. Still a good... Kyle know. Richards is here, Real Housewife herself. Kyle Richards, right. She's oh, even, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. More on her in the next yeah. movie, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, I like um, I... Scott MacArthur and Michael McDonald, the the, the two couple, the, the the couple that's living in the oh, the Myers Big John house. and Little John, Big John, oh, yeah. Little John, exactly. I fucking love Very them. I love them. They're they're funny as shit sad. in real life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you already mentioned Jim. Come. Oh, I got. I had to bring out Lenny Clark. I fucking love Lenny Clark. I'm a big Rescue Me fan, so anytime I see him pop up and everything, or, or, or in anything, I get a smile on my face. It's cool seeing him in this, even though he had a brutal death. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's, it's it's a fun movie. It's a fun horror movie to me. Yeah, I actually agree on this one with you, Ed. I I like this one. I don't think this one's that bad at all. Really? I I don't understand, <laughs> and this is where you'll disagree with me, I don't understand why people liked 18, but not this one. I thought this one was a lot better. I really enjoyed this one. I thought the right, I the Big John, Little John stuff was really funny. I loved those <laughs> characters, and we spent enough time with them that they weren't basically just one-off kills. Right, like we went right. to them, yeah. left, came back. Right. I like spending time with them. I loved Karen's story arc with this where she starts off so hopeful and she's going to save people yeah. and then after the penguin dies like she's crestfallen mm-hmm. and she actually joins the mob and and brings them Michael because she's she's just been defeated because she spent so much energy trying to stop the mob and save this guy's life and then he dies. I genuinely thought we've without knowing what was going to happen in Halloween ends I really thought what they were going to do was Karen was going to be the shape in the third movie Mm, because I thought she, she loses her hopefulness. She joins the mob. She stabs Michael with his own knife. And then she goes up to his room and starts looking out the window that they built this whole mythology around. I thought Michael was dead. And then when you see Michael killing her at the end, that was more of a metaphysical kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that was the shape taking her over. Like a wise horse. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, but a better version of it. I thought they had really set up this story where Karen could have been the shape, and obviously it doesn't play out that way, but I loved her character arc, and I liked what they did with Big John and Little John, so I I didn't hate this one at all. Yeah, Is Michael supernatural in this one? Because it seems like he's dead, and then he jumps up. Kind of yes and no. Because in 2018, it was strictly he was human. He's a human. Yeah, But in this movie... He endures so much. It's like, I don't think a human could survive at that. Like, he gets a fucking pitchfork through him. Yeah, he, he's in. He's surrounded by the mob at one point, the and they all take turns at him. Just massacres him, and then he gets back up and kills them all. Like, it's it's wild. And, have, and a weird montage from, like, yes. House of the Dead. And Karen and her oh, yeah, Christmas like, sweater. Everything goes, like, black in the background, and yeah. you know, like, now they're just in a field. 
on a sound stage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I saw something online that cracked my shit up. It was the, uh, it was Michael and everything. Or no, you know what? I didn't see it. Somebody told me to do it. And so I made it. I have the oh. video that I made of this where when Michael <laughs> starts getting up to kill everybody, you just start playing the ultimate warriors entrance music. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole scene where the, like the background is black and he's killing everybody just yep. plays to the ultimate warriors music. Wonderful. The parallels to from this to Hall, to Halloween two, the original Halloween two, mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of hard to not um, think of it as a like a spiritual remaking of it. Oh, it's intentional um, all the way. Even the credits have the right. same font as part two. Exactly. Yes, and there's their kill count is so much higher in the second right. one versus this one. A lot big part of it takes place in a uh, in a hospital. There's the there's the mob of the town, albeit much more uh, magnified in this version. Um, I think that everybody in the town is acting like total idiots. There's the woman in the van. Uh, I think it's a van or a truck where there is like the tour, the couple from the right. bar right. and the two, two other Kyle people. Richards. And she's got a gun and she's like ready to shoot up at Michael. But before knowing where she is, she expels all the rounds. Yeah. And it's like, she also gives so- off one of the most cringe-induced lines. This is for Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Click, click, <laughs> click. I'm like, God, you just wasted that fucking line. You shitting me? And, yeah, Dr. and then Loomis. they... And then they have the throwback to Halloween 3 where they have the kids in the playground the are, the are wearing the masks. Yes. All three masks. Which are also in 2018, but still. Oh, were they? I missed that. Yeah, it's, it's the long shot. You see them walking around with their masks. Oh, okay. You're, you're, you're right now. I, I remember that now. And if you're going to watch this, listeners who are listening to this, if you're going to watch these... Watch them back to back. Halloween's and Halloween ends as one continuous movie. It, it's, it's in my opinion much more enjoyable, and mm-hmm. the tone shift is wild. But it takes place on the same night, and if you see when you see those characters in the first one, and they pay off in the second half of this ultra ultra movie that you're watching, um, it's it's a lot more enjoyable. And I I have this uh, in my top five. This is in my top five. Oh boom! Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to say anything about it before we move on to the last film? It was fine. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Make Haddonfield great again. There you go. <laughs> there you go, baby. I love that. And that said, that. we got one more to talk about. Halloween ends. Halloween Ends was released October 14th, 2022. 
grossing $105.4 million against a $33 million budget. That budget keeps on going up, but those numbers, not the same. Right. Still profit. Still good money for Universal and Blumhouse altogether. Um, all right. We're here. Halloween ends. Here Corey is Cunningham. a take. Here's a take. Here's a take. Spoiler alert. This is my second favorite film in the entire franchise. Ooh. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm speechless. I love this movie. Um, I I don't, but I think, and I've said this since it came out, I think history is going to be kind to this movie. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And it already has, honestly. Um, so much about this movie, Chris. I can go off like a goddamn fangirl right now. I mean, obviously <laughs> I love the Halloween 3 font. That's just uh, keeping tradition with the first two movies in the trilogy, following their you know, respective films. Um, Corey Cunningham say what you want. I just love the fact that they did something different and I think they pulled it off. It's not like they swung and missed. No, I, this, this whole entire subplot, you introduce a brand new character, you kick the movie off with him. You give him just enough character development that we're invested in him, okay? What a, gr- the, what a great intro, by the way. Oh, God. that that Yeah. When I saw this last year, had no clue. I took my daughter to see this one with me last year. And had no idea what was happening. I went into this film completely blind and not knowing how it was going to start. Like, I didn't know if Michael was going to pop up. I didn't know anything, really. It felt good watching it being tensed up like I was Mm -hmm. in the theater last year. Because, like, the mystery, like, where are we going with this? You know, we've got this new character. He's babysitting. Um... You know, we can talk about them watching a Carpenter movie and, and talking it's, about, you know... It, it's The Thing, and in the, original, and in the original one, they're watching The Thing from Outer Space. That, well, yeah, yeah, obviously, but Carpenter and Carpenter, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, what a wonderful callback. It's a remake of a remake. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then, what happens, happens. With the, 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 what, that, what was that boy's name? Um, the kid who goes over the, the last... Oh, Jeremy. I forget. Jeremy. He deserves so Jeremy it. gets his. <laughs> yeah, fuck that kid. And fuck that kid. the movie kicks off, and I'm just watching this in my seat going, oh, fucking right. Like, this is how you kick shit <laughs> off, man. And still, mind you, we don't see Michael Myers for 42 minutes. Okay? Yes, I noticed. This, okay. It's like, like Halloween that. 3. Barely any <laughs> Michael Myers in it. I like it because, again, we're coming off of Two movies that just took place on the same night, and it, it was hell for this town. And I like that build-up, you know. Um, just we get to see how much it has destroyed Haddonfield, although not the biggest fan of people just randomly offing themselves. That's just whatever. But still, the point is, things aren't looking so, you know, clear in Haddonfield. Things are still doom and gloom ever since Michael Myers left his presence because keep in mind, Michael Myers is not dead. He's MIA. So he can cop, mm-hmm. he can pop up at any at any moment. He's living on rats. Yeah, pretty much. He's like a chud. And I like <laughs> I like little things like we see all the, the missing posters and stuff like that, which which reminds you, hey, Michael's still around. You know, where else do these people go that are that are missing in Haddonfield? Um and getting back to the Corey Cunningham character, they what happens 
in that sewer and then the rest of the film like I just my hats went off to David Gordon Green and Danny McBride David Gordon Green sorry and Danny McBride for just like I said trying something different executing it it works I think ends works as a whole um I was less satisfied it had the right amount of callbacks it was nothing like over the top. Like it wasn't like every scene was a callback to like a, a, a previous film. It was nothing like that. It, it still went off and did its own thing. But then you had things like love how the film ends with don't fear the reaper and the mask on the table, stuff like that. I'm a fan. Sorry. But the Corey character and Michael and the whole idea of evil and it, being passed on yeah yeah passing the evil on like it it makes you think it's like okay well how did michael get this evil you know and cult of thorn okay (laughs) 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 but the whole idea of just transferring the evil from one to another and and whatnot like i just i'm on board with it um it didn't have the body count that this that kills had but it didn't need it either I don't think any movie in the series had the body count that kills. Yeah, that. I know, right? But the deaths that we did get, I was a fan. Let me tell you, especially the DJ. That scene's awesome. <laughs> that was my that's my least favorite of all the kills. <laughs> oh, I'm on board. I love I'm the on tongue. board with it. Love the appropriate tongue. for for the guy. You know, oh, here's your penance. You know, keep but, your mouth shut. You know, I, I I love this film, but guys, I'm sure I'm alone on this island. Have at it. I'll be here listening. <laughs> my my biggest problem with this movie, and like you said, I, I respect what this movie did. I like that it took a swing. I like that it knew it was going to piss people mm-hmm. off, and it did it anyway. And that's why I think history will be as kind to it as history has proven to be to Season of the Witch. Right. But my biggest problem is you will never convince me. And you you may feel this way personally. I, I don't know. But you will never convince me that when they started this franchise, this is where they were going. Like, I watch right. Halloween Ends, and it's apparent to me that they were just making this shit up as they went. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Because... No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not? All right. Well, maybe no, it's not. Maybe no, it's not. Because I, I don't rank this movie very highly. I Like I said, I appreciate that they went in a different direction, but... With everything else they did, we're like, oh, you see the doctor and nurse character in part one, and then they come back in part two, and you see this in 2018, and then they come back. Boy, you can't convince me they were always going this way with Corey, because they would have introduced him. They would have done something. They would have hinted at any of this, and they just didn't. Yeah, and then to to, to follow up on that, that's one thing I did. I I believe I said that in our our deep dive for this this film, that... My main criticism was why didn't they introduce Corey in 2018 as like a minor character and then right. kind of like slowly build up things and then you still have ends the way it happens, but we would at least know who Corey is. So that's all though. It's, you know what? The first two movies, obviously one leads right into the other mm-hmm. and it almost seemed like they were setting up the second one to lead right into this movie and then they just kind of left it you know what i mean they're like well now we're gonna introduce this weird new character well keep in mind too (laughs) this they wanted 2018 and kills pre-pandemic 
This was uh, they, they had a lot of time in between kills and ends to come up with this to craft this concept. So they had a lot of downtime. Uh, and to what you're saying, Kev, you're you're right because, like I said, they had all the time in the world to do this, and you know, right. obviously they they did something different that they weren't planning on doing. And you know, I mean, and I guess I'm just one of those people who are like, I don't I don't need to see. Um, Tommy Jarvis become Jason. I don't need to see Jamie Lloyd become Michael Myers. Just dig his corpse up, push him into a populated area, and let the fun begin. I, I'm a man of simple pleasure. <laughs> and what about? Um, and I, I didn't also even like need to dig his corpse up. He was alive at the end yeah, of Kills. Somehow, yeah. And I like the relationship between Corey and Allison too. I know it feels forced to a lot of people. I've heard that common uh, criticism. It's 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 a forced relationship. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of cute. I, I'm kind of on board with Corey and Allison together. I like their scenes together, like, you know, just burn the world down. I like the match. Shit like that. I'm corny. Yeah. Okay, I'm a corny that's, person. That's that's a cheesy line, and there's some cheesy stuff in this that I think doesn't always work perfectly, but this is this is my number one. This is this is my favorite of the entire Holy franchise. Shit. I wow. love this movie. I, love you, I think this movie is fantastic. Oh, and and I was, I'm, I'm very surprised that, yeah, I'm very surprised that Ed has this near the top because I feel like the people who uh, hold such high regard to this, to the franchise can't, they can't get on board with like just completely gutting everything and saying right. this movie is no, there's no Michael Myers or we're basically going to see him out. This is his, this is his uh, no time to die for Daniel Craig. You know, mm-hmm. it's the first time we actually get to see truly Michael, because you can't retcon it. She had him dead to rights in the kitchen and mm-hmm. decided to carry him like a freaking funeral pyre into the, <laughs> into, into the, the grinder, into the grinder. And I'm like, thank you. Right. Everybody needs in the town needs the closure for this character, mm-hmm. this person to die right. and see it in glorious fashion. And the cops are literally like, well, I mean, we could stop him, but we kind of want it too. I love that line. Um, That's not how we do things. It is tonight. Yeah. It is tonight. Yeah, you knew she was going to typically too. throw people into wood chippers. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so the the things that I love, like, I really love about this movie is number one, um, I think Corey Cunningham is, is is a fantastic character. He, he's he's an amalgamation of a lot of like historical um, his, uh, horror characters in the past. Some people have uh, likened him to uh, the character, the main character from Christine Archie. He's got the yeah. He's got Arnie. the he's Army. got the alliteration. Um, He's got the alliteration in his name, Michael Myers, Corey Cunningham, mm-hmm. um, and oh, yeah. he started out his life as a, a plucky young kid that you really like. And the actor, uh, Rohan Campbell, mm-hmm. is was I, I feel like he played it just perfectly. How much of a wuss is this poor kid? He's being bullied by the marching band. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's 25. He's like, 25. You know, He's being taken to task band. by these 17 year old marching band Love kids. It. They're driving like a freaking Chrysler LeBaron uh, convertible. <laughs> and they're thinking they're hot soup. And he has this, oh, this old woman has to come and stick up for him and help him slash the tire. <laughs> it's like, the the amazing intro it's it's so visceral it feels so real hearing the neck crack when the kid hits the ground mm, and then yeah. later on when the, when they come back to that house he's sleeping on the blood right. stain yeah on on the ground for one they didn't chose not it's to eerie as shit. Cl- fix the blood blood stain but 
um, I like that part of it. I like his natural progression of the character. And I also like um, how it's like a commentary on how society decides who we're going to scapegoat. We don't care necessarily who really is responsible or what the truth is. And we definitely don't care about nuance. We just know that this guy killed that kid and everybody in town is going to say whatever story they want to say about it. And he's now a villain forever. I don't like how the explanation that her, him and um, Lori's granddaughter, um, what is her character's name in this? Um, Allison. Allison. Yeah, Allison. I don't like their explanation about why they don't just leave Haddonfield. It's kind of a throwaway line. And that really would have, for, for those two characters, they should have left Haddonfield a long time ago. Absolutely. There's almost nothing holding them there anymore. Even his mom is mean to him. Um, I like the reveal that uh, the, his boss at the junkyard is actually his stepdad or his real dad. Yes. You're never 100% sure. I felt genuine empathy when he died because I loved his character. He was just like a kind man. Um, so there's like the, the – if you look at the kill progression of Corey Cunningham, his first kill, you are happy that he kills him. I think it's the, it's the bully guy who is like kind of creeping on his girlfriend's ex – uh, the, the right. cop or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, okay, that guy, that guy's a total prick. We, we can all agree. Get him out of here. Oh, no, he's the second one. The first one is the doctor, the doctor in his house in the mansion, right. uh, the Illinois mansion. Sorry. And <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he kills, he kills her. He kill, or kills the doctor, uh, kills the uh, Michael Myers, kills the girl, pins her to the wall, uh, homage to the original. And then it's the deputy and you're like, eh, I mean, he was kind of a dickhead, but he's not really that bad of a guy. And then the stepdad dies along with the band mates. And it's almost like you're kind of rooting for Cunningham near the beginning. And then he devolves into a true monster. And then his kills get less and less sympathetic throughout the movie. And by the time the movie's ending, you're like, he's really, he's really lost all of his innocence. There's, there's one fantastic scene that I, absolutely love and I've, i rewound it and watched it like three times when i rewatched this one is when uh Lori's looking out the window and she sees Corey standing like just like the shape creeping in uh, you know in the neighborhood and then she comes down and he pops up behind her and you're like oh he's already got some of those supernatural powers because right. in this one also michael has to be supernatural if he's surviving in the sewers for that long eating rats and he's still in the same costume and he somehow doesn't have trench foot from living in the sewers this whole time. <laughs> That's right. It's a problem. It's a, yeah, he has to be supernatural. And then when he he's there, they've mind melded, they've imprinted on each other, much like a Jacob and Twilight onto Esme. Uh, exactly. They, they now just have- Just like that. Just <laughs> like that. Um now that that's happened, we have to accept the fact that Michael's a supernatural and passing the torch on to Corey is a great way to take a movie with a franchise with 13 movies and move on into another direction. Right. Um, do they kill him at the end? They make you think so, but I don't think he's dead. And I would love to see a sequel and it would be called Halloween ends with a question mark. And, <laughs> and it would be, I thought you were going to call it Corey ween. Corey ween. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, the first time I watched this, I was kind of, it was like middle of the pack. It was like a three-star movie. And then after rewatching this entire franchise and just seeing what had come before it and the entire recoloring of this movie through this franchise being built up to this, I was like, this is, this is a really fun movie with some great kills. 
and a great protagonist that turns into an antagonist. And what more can you ask for than a sympathetic villain that ends up just, his death is terrible, mm-hmm. absolutely terrible, but he's an insane child. And maybe he's trying to kill himself in that. Maybe he's trying to end the bloodline there or something like that. You know, you can read into it a few different directions, but uh, I just had a blast with this from start to finish. It's a great movie. I'm not alone. Is I love it. <laughs> I just, you, you know, like I said, it's, I don't want to wait 45 minutes for, for Michael, Michael you. Myers, a sewer dweller. Um, <laughs> and he, I, I think you're right. It's absolutely supernatural because he passes on the evil. And then mm-hmm. there's a point where he kills, like uh, Corey throws him some dude to kill. And yeah. after he kills that dude, he gets stronger. Yeah. You yeah. can see like, it too. Was... Like his, the way he's acting. Right. Yeah. Uh, why didn't they throw Corey's body in the grinder? Can we just like, and frankly have Karen <laughs> jump in there. Have Jamie Lee. Let's just get on with our lives. Well, the, the only per yeah, the only person that knows that Corey's this bad guy is uh, Jamie Lee. It's uh, Lori in this, right? So far, because and it, he in that action, he almost turns his the granddaughter against, which she calls her grandmother throughout this whole trilogy, yeah. which is weird. Grandmother, grandmother. are we going to have grandmother over for dinner? <laughs> No, I'm like I said, I'm just on board with all of it. Just the whole Corey Cunningham, just outcast, socially awkward, and then this whole manslaughter thing happens, and it pretty much casts um, a a big lurking shadow over his presence in Haddonfield, and it all goes back to Haddonfield in the end. And it's 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 a tale about those people and the way he was treated, and it's kind of a like a rebellion movie in a sense. And then um, I I agree with that. Yeah. and I like their romance too, by the uh, way. I yeah, like Corey and Allison. Really on board with their romance, and he's more broken than she is. But they are they're bonding over their mutual um, trauma. They, There's like shared. They trauma. both have a lot of battle scars. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if this movie would have been better if I would have enjoyed it more if he was innocent. You know what I mean? Like he was accused of being this murderer, but he's more of a Boo Radley type. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. And he he swoops in at the last and saves the day. Would I have liked it more that way? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe not. And, you know, say what you will about the end after, you know, the kitchen happens and Michael dies. Um, then they had the whole procession where they just, the whole town in the middle of the night just parades around the junkyard and well, do what they do. Um, my response to that is this is the last movie of the whole entire series, quote unquote. You got to go big. And to me, I was just them, you know, going big because who wants to you know think of it this way if they didn't have that then the, the end of Michael Myers would have been a couple of slit arteries like really what's so mm-hmm. final yeah. about that you know this okay it's like he's dead and it's like not dead enough and I'm like fuck yeah what else could you possibly <laughs> do to this man <laughs> that's what I'm talking about okay yeah. we're gonna go to the junkyard don't forget to pick up the bodies that are all around the place from when Corey killed them all earlier in the night don't forget no. about those <laughs> tell your friends we'll see you at the junkyard yeah right <laughs> but yeah that's that's it and then the whole um, kind of I guess you can call it the epilogue with her writing the last chapter in her book and uh, evil. I, I love that line evil her. doesn't die it changes shape I love yeah, that. I, like that. I think that's really fitting. It was like Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without her narrating the whole thing. Like she's yeah. in Desperate Housewives or something. And then her and um, strange. Her and Will Patton talking about those uh, cherry, cherry blossoms. blossoms. 
Yeah, they're like, going to go to Japan together. And then the film them. ends with the mask on the table, like a mantle, and then Don't Fear the Reaper. Right from the first yeah, oh, movie. Oh, by the way, great soundtrack. The intro to this uh, has some a cup, some really great songs, and there's actually a, a number of great songs. The Boy Harsher song in this movie, Burn It Down, I listen to all the time. It's great. Yeah, there's the soundtrack there's is a, pretty dope for this movie. The score is good, but the soundtrack score, is both like, of them. I'm talking about the score from yeah. Carpenter and all, but the soundtrack mm-hmm. it's got some really good soundtrack's songs. Soundtrack's dope, yeah. Um, is this? I will say of all the movies too, I think this is the most divisive currently, and will continue to be the most divisive agreed. moving forward. Yeah, because I have two two friends on uh, movie watching friends online that one rated it a half star and says it's the it's not even it's not even. Uh, like doesn't even shouldn't even be called a Halloween movie. It tarnishes the entire franchise past. And then I have friends that have rated it four and a half, five stars, mm-hmm. and say this is an undisputed classic and will be re- reviewed, you know, twenty years down the line, and people will completely reimagine it. And I am I'm in that boat. I personally feel like a lot of the people that tore into this movie were going to regardless. They had their mindset when the film came out that they were going to go and hate watch it and post their pointless thoughts that aren't even true or aren't even real they're just they're hating to hate and i think it's just people that were pissed off david gordon green and shit these are the same people that are doing the same thing right now to the exorcist and i just think every film deserves a chance no matter what and people that go into the films already with their minds made up it's, it's not right to the movie at all and a lot well, of people thing did that with this movie, and they're still doing it right now with The New Exorcist. I haven't watched it yet. I can't speak on it. I can't defend The New Exorcist, but I'm just saying I feel like the, those same people that went hate watching this a year ago are back because they don't like the Blumhouse mono or banner, and they don't like the yeah. – um, they, 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 they definitely don't like David Gordon Green. And – they wish they That's could go that. back to the glory days where Harvey Weinstein was producing. Yeah, dimension <laughs> films, baby. Well, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for having the complete disdain for this because it really does throw a huge chunk of like this Halloween it does. Uh, lore out the window. And it, and if you love the franchise and it's very near and dear to your heart, I can't tell you how many friends I have that have Michael Myers inked on their skin. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's that's great. There's such love and reverence for the series that when you take a big swing like this, you're going, you're going to piss people off, or you're going to bring people in. And I, the movie definitely did. When that. I came <laughs> out of the screening last year, one year ago, most to the day, I looked at my daughter and she looked at me and I said, "People are going to fucking hate this movie," <laughs> and they do. So here yeah. we are. But that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on Halloween Ends. Again, this is another film that we had a deep dive on Film Effect Podcast. Not to mention, just recently, this past summer, I jumped on for an episode with, uh, um, oh my god, your next favorite movie, my buddy Josh. Oh yeah, Josh is great. He did a deep dive, uh, me, him, and a couple of his buddies. That was fun. So yeah, check that out. So yeah, I've talked about this film in detail twice now, so... If you guys want to have a Halloween ends episode for your podcast, I'd be more than willing to come join you. But other we than that, field, um, yeah, we did a field trip for this and watched it on release and talked about it, and uh, it's 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 worth talking about. I think of all the yeah. movies, it's it's it begs discussion because it right. really drives a dividing line down the middle of the fan base. Definitely. All right. Well, then, well, I want to I want to know something real fast. Yeah. Then, Kevin, yeah. yes, we know. 
I think the top fives are going to be really interesting for this whole thing because I, I have a movie in my top five that's going to shock the hell out of some of you people. But <laughs> I have no problem with that. But we know where or at least whereabouts Halloween ends goes for Ed and Pete. Kevin, where do you have Halloween ends out of 13? I mean, it's probably towards the bottom, honestly. Um, it's definitely not the Rob Zombie depths. Um, it, it's fairly inoffensive, if you will. Um so I mean it's probably bottom third, maybe. Yeah. It's it's not it's not awful. I don't want to say it's awful, but frankly, but that's the thing about this series. It's like a lot of it's just this there's kind of this muddled middle, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, eh, it's okay, I guess. Not yeah. too bad. <laughs> so such is life. Hi everybody, hi guys. This is Carlo from the Movie Loot, and I'll be sharing my thoughts on the Halloween franchise here along with Ed and Company. To start with some general thoughts, I always say that I got into these films thanks to one of my older brothers. He was a big horror film buff and he was always renting anything he saw in the horror section at the video store. And that's how I got to watch all the Fridays, all the Nightmares and all the Halloweens. I think Halloween is the one I got into later-ish when compared to the others. And since we always like to lump these three franchises, I would say that I think this Halloween is the one that I always felt was more consistent. And I still think that way, especially after this massive binge I did this month. If I were to rank all the films from all three franchises, I'm pretty sure there would be more Halloween films in the top half than films from the other franchises. So let's see how which of these films holds up. Let's start with the first one. Halloween 1978, it's a masterpiece, hands down, something that I have come to appreciate more as I've grown older. I even put it on my horror top five when I did my horror loot episode with Ed about two years ago. Carpenter has a unique touch to transmit dread and uneasiness, which he does masterfully during the first half. Those shots of the shape hidden behind the bushes or in the backyard through the bed sheets are just chilling. And then he unleashes evil in that last act. And it's so good from nailing Bob against the wall, which is one of my favorite kills and has become sort of a franchise staple to his final confrontation with Laurie. There are so many iconic, terrifying moments. Michael attacking her in the closet, seeing him sit up in the background as Laurie is at the door in the foreground. Seeing his face come out of the shadows right behind Laurie is just so good. A masterclass in atmosphere, dread, and terror. Definitely top tier. So the first sequel, Halloween 2 from 1980, takes place right after the events of the first one. Same night as Laurie is taken into the hospital with Michael still close behind her. This is also the one that introduces the famous plot point that would shape the entire franchise with Michael and Laurie being siblings, as well as bringing up, although very briefly, stuff about druid cults and whatnot. I will say about the sibling thing, as much as it does provide for a sound narrative threat, I do think it strips the series from what makes it really scary, and that is the randomness of Michael's attack. With the sibling threat, it's just a brother and sister quarrel. There's no terror in that. You live in Haddonfield? Are you redated or no Laurie Strode? No, then you're okay. Carry on. So with that, they're already starting to model things. But despite that and its formulaic execution, it still manages to be a fairly competent slasher, probably mid-tier. Okay, but then we have the odd dog, the black sheep, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I remember back in the day being one of those saying, where is Michael? But still, the image of a kid collapsing with a maggot-infested mask stuck in my mind. I revisited it recently, and it held up pretty well. 
I love how it leans more into sci-fi and the occult than it does to typical slashers. The logistics of why a regular doctor is thrown in the middle of this conspiracy are shaky, and the romantic angle with the daughter of a patient is a bit cringy, but I still think this film does a great job of creating atmosphere and building tension with some neat kills to boot. Definitely top tier to me. But then we have Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Michael Myers is back, but this time he's hunting Laurie's daughter, Jamie, which makes this feel like a bit of a retread of the original film. Michael escapes, goes to Haddonfield, stalks family member, kills random people. What separates this from the others is the cast. Jamie is easy to root for, but her sister Rachel is also a pretty good final girl that is brave, smart, and resourceful, and manages to hold her own against Michael. Second, I like how the Haddonfield that we see here is different. Even though the film doesn't necessarily dwell in it that much, it's nice to see residents still reeling in from the events of a decade before. Unfortunately, the kills aren't that memorable, and as chilling as the final shot might be, I don't think the execution of the whole Jamie and Michael connection was the best. So this is mid-tier for me. Then we have Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. This one picks up a year after part 4. I remember watching 4 and 5 back to back often when I was a teen and remember thinking they played off each other really well, but then again I was stupid and didn't know what I was thinking because this one is a bit of a mess. First, this one was rushed into production and you can feel it. Even during filming, producers and writers were winging many elements of the story, but the biggest mistake the film makes is in how it handles its main characters, specifically the two survivors of the previous one. First, there's Jamie, who stabbed her foster mother at the end of part four, but the film kind of brushes up that and doesn't do much with it. It's just a mental connection, blah, blah, blah. Then Rachel comes back, acting a whole lot dumber, and is dispatched way too early, only to have everybody forget about her, not even mentioned, until the final act. They try to replace her with Tina, but she's not on screen long enough, and when she is, she's not good enough. But the worst thing it does is to start dropping these crumbs about a larger mythology surrounding Michael with a previously unseen tattoo on his wrist and the mysterious man in black, both of which would end up being a disappointment in the next film. As for this one, it is bottom tier. But then we have Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Oh boy, I remember seeing this when I was 15 or 16 and still thinking it was crap, something that I confirmed as I rewatched it this month. The film is an unnecessary convoluted mess that clearly doesn't understand what made the original film work. This whole cult and the doctor behind it, it just doesn't work. It just feels shoehorned and it's not executed well, it's not scary, the characters are uninteresting, and then we have another unceremonious dispatch of the lead character of the previous two films. It might be fun if you watch it thinking, I want to see how this crazy shit unfolds, but it is ultimately frustrating and disappointing. One thing that I want to highlight, though, since this was his last film, is the great Donald Pleasance. Even when the material is shit, he truly gave it his all. I think it was Wendy Kaplan, who played Tina in Part 5, that said that he was a true gentleman that treated every scene as if it was Shakespeare. So cheers to him. As for the film, definitely bottom tier. But 20 years later, we get age 20, 20 years later. This is the first detour in the franchise, one that ignores everything from 3 to 6 and follows a surviving Lori as she's gone into hiding with another into hiding with another identity, only to have Michael stalk her again along with her son. This one feels like there was more 
care put into it as we see Laurie balancing the terror and fear of his brother with a newfound resourcefulness. Also, Josh Hartnett is pretty good as her son, and although most of the supporting cast ends up being bodies for Michael to dispose of, they're mostly likable. But the key here, I think, is the direction by Steve Miner. There's this scene where Michael is chasing Laurie's son and his girlfriend right into the front door of their house that I think rivals the one from the original film. Aside from that, the tension is good, the kills are good, Michael feels and acts more savage, so this is definitely one of the good ones, top tier. On the other hand, we have Halloween Resurrection. This is one that I had avoided just on the strength of its reputation. I had seen the opening with Laurie and Busta's kung fu fight with Michael, but that was it. But the things I do for podcasting, because this is just a mess. The premise of a group of badly ridden teens spending the night on Michael's house just for a reality show is just stupid. The film feels uninspired and there are so many dumb things in it, one of which I'm sure Pete will bring up, which is the sonic scream from the lead girl. I mean, what was up with that? Then there's Busta. Oh, then there's Busta. Let's be honest, he is both the worst and best thing in this film and for the exact same reasons. It's as if the guy was teleported from a whole different film, landed here, and screamed, Okay, let's do this! His performance and dialogue is pretty bad, including a ham-fisted monologue he has in the end. But at the same time, I won't deny I was cackling as I watched him lose in the middle of this mess. This is bottom, bottom tier. But I will give it consolation points for having a shot that homage 1960s peeping Tom. Considering what I saw in the rest of the film, it probably was not intentional, but I appreciated it anyway. But then we head into the Rob Zombie remakes. I'm going to start by saying that regardless of my individual thoughts on Zombies films, or maybe even David Gordon Green's, one thing that I admire about both is that they had kind of a clear vision of what they wanted to do, and for the most part, stuck with it. That is as opposed to what we saw in the previous films of the franchise, where there was no clear narrative structure to any film. After the first one, it all felt like improv. What if Laurie and Michael are siblings? What if we do an anthology? What if Michael comes back? What if his niece ends up as the killer? What if there's a druid cult behind Michael? What if Laurie comes back? What if Laurie dies? So in that respect, I think there's a vision here in these and in Green's films. Still, remakes are never easy, and Zombie has to live up to one of the best horror films out there. His attempt at trying to explain Michael in the first half of this film, I think, is unnecessary. But also, he's too in your face. Instead of building tension, he chooses gore, kills, and throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you. There's no subtlety, which you notice more when you get into the second half. Because in the second half, he's more subdued and restrained. So there's a lack of cohesion there between both halves. Even though I think most of the performances are solid and Zombie has competent visual skills, this is mid-tier, but leaning towards low. Now for Halloween 2, I think that the fact that Zombie is more or less free from the reins of a remake actually helps him. I mean, yeah, it does start the same night as the first one and it takes place in a hospital, which then feels like a sheet at some point. But anyway, I have to admit that I like the swings that Zombie takes here. That contrast between the viciousness of Michael mixed with this visions and this look inside his psyche, I felt it was compelling and entertaining, even if not completely successful. So this is mid to top tier for me. But then we have our third detour in the franchise with Halloween 2018. But like I said with the zombie ones, I appreciate the fact that for the most part, David Gordon Green 
had a vision and an overall theme, and he stuck with it. Here we ditch the sibling element, which I like, and have a struggling Laurie still dealing with the trauma of that night while Michael is institutionalized. I love the duality of having both Michael and Laurie, quote-unquote, captive in their own selves. Also, as the film goes on, Green does a lot of interesting things and references to the original, especially in the last act, that I really enjoyed. I also really like the character of Laurie's daughter, Karen, who is reckoning with her own traumas, directly caused by her mother's traumas. So it's an interesting illustration of how the effects of traumatic experiences, of traumatic experiences are transferred. But aside of those layers, this is simply put a pretty good and relentless horror film full of tension and neat gore. So it's good to see a film delivering in both fronts. Top tier for me. But then comes Halloween Kills. And once again, we have a second part that takes place the same night in a hospital. I like that. And if you thought the previous one was relentless, brutal, and full of gore, this one says, hold my beer. This one has probably the most intense kills I've seen in the franchise and maybe even the most intense kills I've seen in a mainstream horror film. So if gore and violence is what you're after, there's plenty here. I also appreciated something that I brought up in Halloween 4 and it's the fact that this is a traumatized Haddonfield, a town still reeling in from those events which gives credence to the actions of the people. Unfortunately, that message about mob mentality is delivered in a clumsy and awkward way. I think the whole evil dies tonight thing could have used a bit of a do-over in how it was written and integrated. As it is, several characters like Tommy or Laurie are forced to recite heavy-handed monologues about the evil of Michael Myers. Despite that, I liked some of these characters, including Tommy. I also really love how the film puts Karen as the reluctant hero. I was totally rooting for her, so the ending really hit hard for me. It caught me completely off guard in a good way. This is one that I'm a bit torn. I know the film has issues with its dialogue and the execution of its goals, something that I don't think 2018 has. But to be honest, if you ask me which one I would watch again, I'd probably say Kills. So take from that what you may. This is top tier. And then Halloween ends. Oh boy, this is David Gordon Green's part three even down to the opening credits design. The man knew he was throwing a curveball, and I think he was relishing in it. This is the last one I saw a couple of days ago, so I'm still sort of going over how I feel. I feel that the overall theme of saying it's not just Michael Myers, evil can be anywhere or in anybody, I appreciate that, but I think the execution was not the best one. This character of Corey should have been integrated on the previous films, which would have given more weight to this film. But still, there's so many little things that show that Green was not half-assed in this. Just to name one thing, Corey uses a scarecrow mask at first, which reminds me of Wizard of Oz, if I only had a brain. Like I said, when I started with the zombie films, I think Green had a clear vision of the theme he wanted to push through, which is trauma and how we move beyond it or not. And regardless of how successful he was or not, I appreciate that way more than the improvisational approach that the franchise had for decades. I would say this is mid-tier right now, but I see potential in this one going up as I rewatched it and think about it more. But anyway, now for my rankings. We have 13 Halloween films, so at 13 I have Halloween Resurrection. No surprises there. At 12, I have Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. At 11, I have Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. At number 10, I have Rob Zombie's Halloween. Number 9, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. 
Number eight, Halloween 2, the original. Number seven, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Number six, Halloween Ends. This last four, six, seven, eight, nine, I could probably swap them either way. At number five, I have Age 20, 20 years later. At number four, I have Halloween Kills. Number three, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Number two, Halloween 2018. And number one, no surprises there either, Halloween the original. So those are my thoughts on the franchise and each film. I hope you like them and feel free to share your feedback with me wherever they are. Guys, I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you live, but I hope you have fun discussing the franchise and I look forward to listening to the episode. Talk with you later. Well, should we get to our top fives then? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Let's just do the way we do top fives on my podcast. Number five, always go around Robin, then four. Okay. So I'll kick it off. Number five for me. Now, it's H2O, but I want to preface this by saying you, honestly, it's more or less a tie. You can consider it a tie between this and Kills. I did say Kills was not on my top five list, but it's very close to number six. But mm-hmm. looking back at everything, especially after what we just talked about, um, th- honestly, th- this could be tied for number five. But for the sake of my list and fi- you know everything being final, my number five will be H2O, which I know Josh is going to appreciate. Shout out. He fucking loves this movie to death. He was <laughs> even on our episode for the deep dive two years ago. So, um. Uh, let's just see. Kev, you're next. We'll do you next, number five. I'm going to say Halloween 2, the original uh, 2. Um, nice. not, not great. Not great. <laughs> uh, but it's it's fine. I mean, it's, it's kind of, a, a, like I said before, it's a pretty typical early to mid-80s slasher type. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's fine, it, you know. There's nudity. That's <laughs> <laughs> all, all it takes sometimes. That's all it takes sometimes. The cold winter nights. Stu, you're next. Uh, so I said it was in my top five, and here it is. It's Halloween Kills. I Like I said, I thought mm-hmm. it was a, a perfectly fun movie. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, I, Pete? I am also uh, having Halloween Kills as my top, my number five. Very, very right. fun. You're all making me want to uh, change my answer now. Better, <laughs> better on a rewatch, and much better when you watch it back to back with David Gordon Green's Halloween. Right. All right. Number four. Number four for me. Season of the Witch. Number three. Halloween three is my number four. Season of the Witch. Kev. Uh, I'm gonna go with Halloween four: The Return of Michael Myers. Nice. Again, for pretty much similar reasons uh, as part two, where it's it's fun. It's kind of uh, a nostalgia going back to those kind of 80s films. Well, this is like, I guess this is late 80s at this point. Yeah, 88. Um, yeah. it's And maybe I like it because of the swan dive that occurs directly after this. You know what I mean? In terms of quality. So, <laughs> Got that enjoy right. it. Sheesh. All right, Stu. Oh, did somebody say something about the swan dive after Halloween 4? Because my number 4 is Halloween 5, bitches! I love it. (laughs) I like like Halloween 5. I always have. I watch part 4 and part 5 back-to-back like every other year for Halloween. I... I know that it's bad, and I know I particularly brought up the clown car stuff with the cops, but I just don't hate it. I I have I managed to have a good time with part five. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of the Halloween movies with John over at the Pint Podcast, and he does a 
a series where he gets widely maligned movies and we rewatch them and determine whether the movie is actually a trash, a treasure or a tolerable movie. Uh, he gave Halloween five a trash and I gave it a treasure. Nice. Oh, damn. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, Pete. Number four. Um, this is where the pitchforks come out. Uh, my <laughs> number four is the original Halloween, the, the OG from 1978. Ooh. Yes, there are three better movies made <laughs> since that one. <laughs> oh, Shocking. I love it. All right, number four, oh, number three now. Number three. Number, uh, number, my number three, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Like I said, this is high up there on my favorite sequels list. Um, I mean, I've already gloated about it. I just, I love part four, so. Nice. Kev? Uh, my number three is Halloween H2O 20 years later. Um, I like the production quality. I like, again, it is kind of nostalgia. This is very much that late nineties Dawson's Creek right. scream Two kind of thing going to Josh Hartnett. We didn't even talk about Michelle Williams Academy Award. Oh, right. Yeah. He's in this bad boy. Uh, kind of a worthless part though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say as, as far as these go, it's fun. All right. Stu. Uh, my number three is also Halloween H2O. That makes three of us. Halloween H2O, nice. number three. Respect, respect. All right, number two. Halloween ends. Like I said, this is my second favorite film of the franchise. Uh, we literally just got done talking about it, so just know that I love this film. Kev? Ace. This is kind of a tricky question because there's the movie that's closest to my heart. And then there's the movie that's kind of objectively a good, you know, uh, a <laughs> fine film, if you will. Right. I, I, um, I'm going to say Halloween three season of the witch. Uh... It is, it is a freaking bonkers masterpiece. It is so yes. ridiculous, but it's like a fine wine. You know what I mean? It's like it ages. <laughs> you sit back, light a fire, get out your brandy snifter and <laughs> just, just let it luxuriate in, like in the sc- majesty. It's like a wine that has a screw top on it. Right, right. <laughs> perfect. Yes, Boone's Farm, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Stu? Uh, my number two is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. I just mentioned everything I love about that right. movie when we talked about it. It's one of my favorite slashers ever. Awesome. That's cool. A lot, a lot of Halloween 4 representation in the top five. Um, My number two is the David Gordon Green Halloween reboot, I guess sequel. The only sequel that I know of that is has the same name exactly as the original. Yeah. Oh, Child's Play. Right? Does Child's hey. Play have have a direct sequel? Well, oh, direct sequel. Oh, direct, direct sequel. sequel. Never mind, never mind. Okay. Well, the new yeah, Hellraiser, like, right? Maybe ish. No. You know what? That might that might actually be the case. I think yeah. that, that I think there is a continuity there. But yeah, it's a love it. It's it started some a great trilogy that I think is uh, underappreciated and uh, for my taste. My personal taste in movies, it's just a, it's a great, super fun movie. Cool, cool, cool. All right, number one then, the OG, 1978 Halloween. I mean, it's 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 Halloween. It's the OG, you know, it, this movie's... I'm speechless. It's so goddamn good. It's the original <laughs> Halloween, guys. I mean, come on. There's not much to say that I already haven't already said. I mean... Sure. It's it's Absolutely. inspirational. It's a classic. There's so much about it that I love. It goes all my 
television set at, at least twice every Halloween season. So, you know, fucking 78 all the way. It's, it's the best. I agree. That's my number one. We didn't even mention PJ Souls, for goodness sake. Totally. I mean, <laughs> that, she is the, the patron saint of 1978, I would argue. So, yes. Uh, I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Halloween, the OG. She was she rock and roll high school rock was around. High school. There she was well. in the original Carrie. Carrie, absolutely. Yeah. So she was making a name for herself. Halloween, if for no other reason than PJ Souls. There you go. Sue? <laughs> <Nope. laughs> uh yeah, it's Halloween nineteen seventy-eight. It's in my top ten movies ever. It's yeah. unquestionably here. here. Yeah. All right. And I, I have to say, I mean, I I know I just gave it away on a Yeah, right, right, right. Ends. I wonder what it's number my one is. It's my number one, but I have to comment on the fact that, you know, I I, I just don't have the reverence for the original Halloween that most people do. Um, and looking at it in a bubble, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a car guy by heart. If you ever listen to my show, I talk about cars quite a bit. And, um, you know, there's, are, there's some magnificent automobiles that are out there in the world. And then there's the ones that came before it. The Model T, the Model A. Those are great trend-setting mo- cars that have built the way for everything that we have uh, now in modern days. Right. I don't want to drive one from here to Fresno. You know, <laughs> they've had their due, and they're great for what they are. But we've moved on, and we have so much better since then. So uh, Halloween's sure. great. It was a, it's a foundational movie, um, but uh, Halloween ends. Mwah. It's it's th- the best. All right. Well, in closing, I just want to thank all of our personalities or co-hosts for this franchise retrospective first off kev from the podcast that wouldn't die thank you thank you thank you man it was great absolutely Stu from his show Stu world order thank you so much for having me on oh of course anytime and finally pete from his show middle class film class yeah it was a blast thanks for letting me uh verbal (laughs) diarrhea all over this (laughs) beloved franchise (laughs) i had a blast though it was wonderful thank you why don't you guys go real quick and uh plug your shows one by one real quick before we uh, get out of here uh the podcast that wouldn't die we discuss guilty pleasures and forgotten classics of the horror and sci-fi genre with a comedic twist we're on all social media and anywhere the finer podcasts are available and youtube there you go Stu. Uh, I have the Stu World Order podcast where we review random comic book movies with our guest and also check out swoproductions.com where we have new articles every single weekday. Perfect. And Pete. Uh, so the show is called Middle Class Film Class. We review, uh, we do movie reviews and news um, every Monday and then every Wednesday we do a deep dive review into one movie chosen at random from the Wheel of Destiny. Is recorded live to tape like a like a morning talk show mm-hmm. radio with music and sound effects added live. It's a lot of fun. It's very funny. Um, so if you like to sit in and talk with friends about movies, that's what we're all about. And all the links for all these glorious podcasts will be in the episode notes for this show here. And all right. Thank you all listening. Uh, thank you all for listening. And I hope everyone has a safe and fun Halloween holiday. And until next time, my name's Ed, and this has been the Halloween Chronicles from Shape to Shamrock.